Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And we are Cock-A-Hoop this evening. The Tartan Tornado. Josh Taylor is now the undisputed junior welterweight champion in his 18th fight. I'm sure you watched that play out on TSN tonight because there was nothing else exciting to watch in TSN. I'll admit that did occupy most of my attention for the second half of the Whitecaps game, which I don't really think I missed anything. I did have half an eye on it, but it didn't really seem that I missed too much. And the fight just finished at the perfect time before the Whitecaps got their goal. But we're going to be coming to all of that. We're going to be looking around MLS. And I've got a an interesting interview to bring you this week with Baldy. But not Michael Baldissimo. It's his brother Matthew. All of that is to come. We're going to kick things off, though, with a gift that keeps giving. The thing that we start off all our shows with at the weekends, it's us opening Steve's Christmas present to us, the 2011 Upper Deck Trading Card Sets. We'll whisk through it again this episode. Zach has his helper, Kirk, with him. Oh, interesting pack. Oh, oh, you've Uh, got yours open, right? I have a new new player to declare for my forward line. Okay, you kick things off this week. Who have you got? Wait, can I switch to that that card? It's my second card. Yeah, I just want you to, I just don't want you to take the person because, despite their jersey, I'm I think pretty sure they're going to be in my team. Oh, interesting! Because my second card, I'm probably going to put into my team. <gasps> what if it's the same one? Oh, it's not. Mona me TT. Oh Thierry, well, Jeremy's dead bull card. I'm I'm going to bring the I'm going to bring the big guns out right away. He's a forward. For the LA Galaxy. It's Landon Donovan. Oh, another guy I wouldn't want on my team. <laughs> oh, see, I've now got him and Wando up front for myself. That's perfect. devastating. That's good. Yeah. Um, I, uh, my, first, my first card in my pack was also from Dead Bull, but with a little bit of a closer tie-in. It's the Jamaican Dane Richards. Oh. Well, I've got a Sheavis player. He's not from the hood. He's from Wake Forest. It's Michael LaHood. 
Oh, I think you might have this one, Michael. We've talked about this player, I'm sure. Uh, I forget where he is now, but he is a one-time flounder. This is his Chicago Fire MLS Super Draft card, Jalil Anibaba. Oh, yes, I got him. I got him recently. This this is the exact card, right? You don't have an outfield normal one. No, yeah, I've got his draft one. I have a Portland Timber. This was his first season in MLS, because, of course, it was the Timbers' first season as well. Eddie Johnson. Oh, yeah. I have an, a, another player who's going to have me contemplating my starting 11. Ooh. Now, he's not the greatest today uh, in, the, in the game. I mean, he's still starting. But um, in this card, this time, he was much better. And between now and then, he's had some pretty high heights. It's uh, number four central defender from LAG, Omar Gonzalez. Oh, well, he is in my team. Oh, he's in your team already? Yes. Okay. Let me just double check. Yep, he is my center back beside Marvell Wynn. Holy Deadbull, Batman. Mm. I'm going to replace Steve Zakuani with Landon Donovan. I will just call that just now. So right now, my front three is Wondo, Brian Ching, and Landon Donovan. Like that. Sanasi Earthquakes next. Midfielder, Bobby Convey. Oh, yeah. Serviceable MLS player. Uh, next, I have another dead bull. Uh, I believe he's Estonian, I want to say. I think. Well, you say that then. Joel Lindpair. Oh. He's Estonian, right? I've got a Russell, but it isn't a Johnny. It's from RSL. It's Robbie Russell. Oh, I remember him. And last but not least, an MLS stalwart. Uh, I'm, I'm positive you have already had this card. Uh he would. He's going to be in my roster. Roster, not in my starting lineup. I don't think. But I don't think you have him in your starting lineup either. It's number twenty-one from the Revolution from New England, Shalry Joseph. No, he's not in my team. Now, protect your shins and any other part of your body. It's New York Red Bulls, Rafael Marquez. Oh, this is a dead bull night. Yes, it is. Well, it, it was certainly a, a dead night of bull in the Whitecaps terms. Uh, I guess that is our little segue to, to get from the cards to the Whitecaps. Because we've put it off. We've talked boxing. We've talked cards. Now we have to talk Whitecaps and Dynamo. Going into this one, I don't think any of us were particularly optimistic that there was going to be much happening. Uh, in terms of the Whitecaps one. That said, I've come away from this game feeling disappointed. So I, I didn't think the Whitecaps would get a win going into it. A draw I thought was maybe a outside possibility. When I saw the starting lineups, I still wasn't confident. But just the way that this game played out has left me in, in many ways more deflated than than the thumping that we got from KC. Because, I mean, if, if we look at the, the three defeats now that the Whitecaps have had in a row, we came away from Minnesota, quite upbeat, good performance, unlucky to lose, a lot of positives to take from it. We came away from the KC game, or I did anyway, thinking, okay, maybe just a bad day at the office, and a lot of ball watching from the defence, some mistakes in the defence, but we do struggle against KC. 
I think the game against Houston is more going to kind of see where we are. We did say these are the kind of games that the Whitecaps have to take something from. But, I mean, I don't know about you, Steve. I've come away from this one feeling quite flat and really deflated by it all. There was something about the beginning, especially that first half, where you expected them. Like, you you asked, I believe it was last week or the week before, that, you know, the, the Whitecaps seemed to come out flat. And this was the epitome of that. It was just nothing there. Um, they had minor working the ball, but Houston knew exactly what they needed to do. Just sit behind yeah. the ball, let Vancouver kick it around. I think they had the majority of possession in that first half, but it was really in areas that weren't even dangerous. So, well, yeah, I, I, I just, I just found it, I found it depressing in the fact that they weren't able to break down a team that's not considered that strong defensively. Yes, and like once. Houston went one up and we'll, we'll obviously come to, to going through how the game played out soon but like once they went one up it was like an orange wall in that final third that the Whitecaps just seemed to have no answer for. I, I, I don't think it was as flat as some of the the games that, that we've seen, Zach, but at the same time it, you didn't feel at any point that the Whitecaps were going to like put the ball in the back of the net in that first half. No, it was a pretty dreadful first half from a Whitecaps perspective. Yeah, it didn't feel like they were going to score at all. Uh, and, and that's not surprising because this was game seven and it was the seventh game in a row where they didn't score in the first half mm. at all. And that that needs to change. Uh, yeah, because I, 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 I think the stats are goals for zero, goals against six yeah, in, in the first fair. half this year. Yeah, and so that that has to change. And you're and you're right. We've talked about weeks before about how they just don't come out looking like they have a chance to win, or they don't look, come out looking really competitive, and don't know and yeah, don't know exactly what you know what that is or why that is. And I know MDS is some you know even kind of refuted you a little bit on that in, in some in some ways. Yeah, but, for, uh, first time I raised it, which was I think week two in the season against Toronto. Um, he refuted that, but by week four or five, I think he was he was on on my on my side with that, and then that's basically been asked every single week. Yeah, it, and, it feels. And there are there just simple errors. I mean, you have a you have a, at least a mild keeping error, and then you have some poor marking. Uh, I think that, that 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 let them down, and that cost them the game, and the game was lost in the first half. Well, yeah, because like when I went to one 0 I genuinely thought, ah, as long as they, they keep it at this, they can turn it around, like get a regrouped in the second half, do some tinkering, whatever. When it went to 2-0, though, I was like, well, that's fine. I want to watch the boxing anyway. This is my perfect chance to do that because they're not going to get back into it. But we'll get into to the game now. and But we'll start with the, the looking at the, the lineup. So the Whitecaps made five changes overall. Now, Mark DeSantis has been keen to not make too many changes at once. So he's maybe done one or two at the most. Now, a couple of these changes were enforced, but you have to feel one of them might have happened anyway. So Bruno Gaspar came in for Jake Nerwinski, who picked up a, a knock in training this week. And that had kind of been revealed. But I think the big surprise to me in the starting, or one of the, the big surprises to me in the starting lineup 
was that Christian Gutierrez had picked up an adductor strain. So he was out, which is not only bad for the Whitecaps, it could be bad for Canada as well, because I think Guti was in a, a rich vein of form. But I mean, Andy Rose came back after just missing one game from an adductor strain. So, I mean, you never know. But that saw Javain Brown get a start at left back. And although he can play both full-back positions, it's not his most natural position. He's kind of like a right-back or a centre-back. The other big surprise for me with with this sack was he changed both centre-backs, which I thought was quite bold because it ended up meaning the whole back four was changed. And that's very unusual. Now, before the game, Mark was on the the pre-game show and he said... He felt that going into the break, this was a chance to reward some of the guys for the work that they've been doing at training and getting a chance to look at them before going into the break to see what they could do. I mean, it it was a bold decision, but I think the way that the defence did play last week and the way that they were ball watching, maybe it needed something like that. I don't think you can say it totally worked, though. No, it it was surprising to see all four positions change, even if half of them were enforced um but adding experience in there though as well with both the center backs like andy rose we talked about needing his experience godoy brings experience gaspar brings experience yeah i was surprised that it wasn't ranko and godoy yeah uh, it felt like that would have been enough of a change especially with different fullbacks but um i guess with the with the two new fullbacks and maybe especially with having jermaine uh brown on the left side in his less uh, usual position maybe wanted uh, maybe meant that they wanted to have Andy Rose back there even more. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if it affected them like their gameplay on the whole, but um, because I don't think I don't know that the errors that cost them the goals were really down to the down to the the, the four defenders on their own. Yeah, a bit. Well, yeah, because I mean, there's certainly a lot of blame to go around for the first goal. Um, which we, we, we may as well then just, just get straight into then because eight minutes in, 1-0 Houston. It's certainly not the star that the Whitecaps would have been looking for. And it, I, I've i written, it was a series of unfortunate events, which is a great book series and TV show as well. So this all starts just past the halfway line in the Houston half Kava falls over trying to win a free kick and he goes down so easy. I mean, it was never a free kick. So that gave the ball away. Then it led to Houston breaking. The the ball comes out to Fafa Pico on the left. Gaspar fails to get a foot on it to cut out the pass. Then the cross comes in from Pico. Gaspar doesn't get full connection on it that deflects it into Max. I think Rapol could have done way better with the save in this one. And then it just it comes out to Mimo Rodriguez. And like watching it back, him and Russell Tiber arrive in the box at the same time. The ball then comes off Max. Russell doesn't react to it. And then Mimo just pounces on it, buries it, and leashes it in the back of the net. There is stuff to talk about in the build-up, but I think ultimately the the final nail in the coffin was was Crapo pairing it into a place you never, ever, ever want to parry the ball. Yeah. De- dead center uh, inside the box, right? Like it was, he'll, uh, yeah. He'll maybe, uh, he'll maybe not feel so good about that. 
it it was a, a a tough break, but after that, Houston they they were fairly comfortable. Now the Whitecaps did have some chances. There was a long range effort from Caio Alejandre. Brown had a header. Cava and got gets the ball in front of goal from I think it was Dahomey. But Cava should have laid it off because he had two players to his left. But instead he swivels and takes a shot, which of course a striker's going to do. But I mean, the block was there. I think it was Valentin that blocked it. And the the better one was to, to do the layoff there. So I mean, the Caps did have their chances. So did Houston, though. Cripo had to make a, a save at his near post. After, again, Iruti this time got the better of Godoy and just turned him got straight in on goal, Cripo came up big. So, I mean, there were Whitecaps' chances, but as I t- touched on there, it, it felt like an orange wall that the Whitecaps just didn't really have the answer of how to break down. Yeah, and there was a lot of uh, uh, lazy passes, um, just just not, nobody moving, especially behind that wall. Like, it wasn't an actual wall, it was just like there were open spots, but nobody, the, the forward players the players up front weren't moving at all and it seemed like the all that was happening was the center backs and the midfielders were just passing back to forth to each other across that wall and they weren't able to penetrate it at all and that was the biggest factor i think i think uh, a lot of times you'll get uh blame on the passers but uh the people receiving the ball need to make themselves open and find that open spots in order to make those passes worthwhile there was just so frust- so much frustrating stuff in that first half. And another frustrating thing for me was the fact that Cavallini picked up a, another cheap, silly booking. He just he's, he has to watch this because he's racking them up now. He's going to be close to a suspension, which he's going to be away with Canada, probably at the Gold Cup as well as the World Cup qualifiers. Then you don't want him suspended when he is back as well because there's very, very little uh, as there was that just adds to my my frustration of it all. And then the frustration is complete, Zach, by Houston going 2-0 up by leaving a guy that punishes the Whitecaps time and time again, Max Arruti, unmarked at the back post for a corner. Lovely finish by Arruti. I mean, he took it really well. You just you don't leave a guy like that unmarked. Although the Whitecaps then did it three minutes later with another corner. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It is weird when we know the Whitecaps spend a considerable amount of time focusing on set plays in practice that that can that that kind of thing can happen against them. Yeah, because I think MDS said that was the first goal they've given up from a set piece this season. Yeah, which I didn't it, think it was, but I'm sure he said that post game. But for me, I know they like to play zone on these things, but sometimes you have to play a little bit of hybrid where you're actually seeing a player that's finding a spot so you make sure that you close that on down on them as soon as possible especially a yeah. dangerous kind of like rudy they had th- it's basically and it was a, a shot that most of the time you don't see that going in because you had three people in front of him the goalkeeper yeah. tybert and rose that shows you how only, well he hits it yeah and but the only problem is is that rose did not make that space up um in order to close down to make that shot more difficult so he had a lot of time and space to find the that you know that lane to get that ball through those three people yeah but and like i said three minutes later there's another corner and a rooty they try to find him again at the back but this time the ball didn't get to him i mean it's fine to make mistakes everyone's going to make mistakes teams are going to make mistakes what you want as a coach what you want as a supporter 
is then if you've made that mistake, the mistake's not repeated. And for it to be repeated a couple of minutes later, thankfully unpunished, I mean, that's that's unforgivable. And MDS said post-game that there's, there's a number of things that he saw from the bench that he doesn't want to talk about just now because he wants to go and revisit it. But half-time came, 2-0 down, feeling quite deflated, didn't really see a way back for the Whitecaps. But they made the change of bringing on Michael Baldissimo for Russell Tybert. I was delighted by that. What I really want to see, Zach, for a spell of games, is Kyle and Baldy as a midfield pairing, just to see what they can do, to see what Baldy can learn from Kyle, to try and get the two of them to bring the best out of each other, like overlapping each other or just like complementing each other, however they want to play it. That, to me, would be an exciting midfield pairing. We saw little bits of it in the second half. I I think it was good. I think it worked. Is that something you'd like to see more of going forward? I think, well, I I think I messaged you about this. It's part of of what happened there, though, was they also switched formations. They were no longer in a 4-4-2. It looked more like a 4-2-3-1 or, you know... Four five one or however you want to define but, that, which I like and I think could really work with this well, team. It was, it was Baldy and Bickle together with but uh, Alejandro going forward. forward. Yeah, but that I, that also then allows Alejandro to drop back if Baldy's taking the ball forward. And yeah. he was he was had a dangerous moment in that um, in, the, in the second half to score a goal in the box. He, yeah, from the highlights I've seen him playing uh, down in Brazil, he has that ability to find those spots, but not. As a ten, uh, more of a box to box guy, where he could be the, the guy that kind of follows up on all the people already in the box, where he picks something up. Well, guys, don't worry, don't worry about it. Like you can see, Baldi and Caillou play together behind a number ten any day now. So just keep <laughs> keep waiting. Or keep or, a, or a false and, nine, or yeah. a, an attack minded number eight. That was that was unbelievable. Those comments. That was to 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 stray that far away from your original intent. But the and best comment was one of the replies. I can't, I'll look it up. I can't remember who said it. He's because it said uh, a number 10 or a false nine or a, an attack minded number eight. And then someone said, or a center back with a, with a good foot. Um, I, I was watching the game with, uh, I was watching the game with some people again and Will Silver, he said, he said, it's like the, the white caps and talking about um, bringing players in. It's like, Going to a going to a drive through. They just keep on saying, "Next window." Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. I mean, Kyle had a, a great shot in the second half that was saved. That came right after Lasseter crashed one off the the bar. Which, if that had gone in, that was definitely game over for for the that Whitecaps. Was, then that was that was. Can we talk about that? that was a nice shot? Did, like, could Brown done have been any better there? Like, is that part of having a yeah? You know, I mean, I'll come to Brian in the next part because it was an up and down game for him, but it's not his natural position. I thought he, as the game it's, went on, he kind of yeah. got into it a bit more. It's, well, see, if they're struggling for left back, I had thought, oh, would it not have made sense to put Tiber in there? But then you're left with, what do you do in the left wing? But then that would have allowed for a 4-3-3 that could have matched yeah. up with Houston's 4-3-3. My, my whole thing, um, uh, I, I forgot to mention this about when you were talking about Baldissimo and Kyle in the in the center to start a game. I think that might help with their flat begin- starts too. 
the Flatford mm-hmm. House, if they start together, I think that could have a significant impact like or influence. Um, uh, essentially, like maybe when they play at home, maybe we'll see that. Maybe on the road, they want to be a little bit more conservative. But the problem is, is they're letting goals in in that first half, mm-hmm. even though they're trying to play. Because why? So why not play on the front foot? I mean, the, the times where they've started flat but done well in the second half and got points was great because the other teams hadn't gotten the score sheet. So they didn't have to try and overcome a two-goal deficit. I mean, Houston had a couple of half chances after that, but then the Caps did pull one back in the 80th minute. Lovely, lovely goal, lovely work from Caicedo to finish that. And a goal in open play, I think it was 280 minutes? Between goals and open play, who's keeping track? I someone is because I keep seeing it tweeted out. But <laughs> when when you look at what they're getting out of the squad for what they're paying, I mean, they you just have to be thankful. Well, funny you should mention that because I was quite stunned by the fact that was flashed up on the screen after the goal that this was Lucas Cavallini's first MLS assist. Now we talked about getting value for your big striker, the guy that you've paid millions for, the guy that you're paying a salary of millions for, and that's his first MLS assist. That is not what you're looking for. I know he's been brought in to get goals, but you also want him to set up some of the guys that's around him as well, especially considering how deep he's been playing at times. It was a smart pass. It was good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Thankfully, it wasn't a selfish pass, and it, it's like he he did pass it off, and Caicedo did well, rounded the keeper, put it away. When it went in, I genuinely thought, I fancy them to, to sneak a point from this now, because Houston seemed to be tiring, and the Caps had Raposo on, they brought Bear on, did a spring in their step, it, it, they were definitely uplifted, but it just never came. I on on the opposite side of that, I felt like my my call of I believe it was a three one scoreline yeah. that I gave last week. I was like, I got a chance of this. Now. Well, I went two one, so I was happy. You went two one, Houston. Well, I, I I don't know if I went with that last week. I'm going to have to check. I tweeted out a fancy two one before the game, so I don't know what I said in last week's show. So I I will check that and we'll update the standings before the the I'm next game. I'm pretty sure I said three one. The one we, thing we could be assured of that I'm at the bottom of that one, whatever. <laughs> we've got a lot. I, we've got a I lot of days to I, work the standings out. And I predicted that, so you know what I mean. Like, oh, I'll, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some points for that. Yeah, yeah. I predicted. I'll be Are you, 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 you're in that optimist union thing, right? No, no, no. I just, I just going opposite of what you guys do because I'm thinking I'll get a better chance of getting something out of it. <laughs> See, I, at halftime, I was quite down. By full time, I had a spring in my step because of the boxing. Now we've been talking about the game, I've come back down again. I need, to, thankfully, I, I PVR'd the Josh Taylor fight. I'll, I'll watch that again and just that'll, that'll bring me back up again before bedtime. Um, always nice to see a Scottish guy knock an American guy to the floor. Takes me back to Portland, 2008. Anyway, moving <laughs> on from that. <laughs> This was the Whitecaps' third straight defeat. All of them come in on the road. And yes, I know if Mark was here, he'd be like, all our games are away games. But he knows what I mean. You know what I mean. They've now got 27 days in between games. So it's a long time to sit and think about what went wrong and hopefully get things right. 
Now, we're recording this on Saturday night, so there's still games going on. It looks, though, that the Whitecaps are going to go into this break because they're not playing next week, but there are games on next week. So going into their break this week, they're going to just be two points back off a playoff spot. And this whole time, I think at the, the start of the season, if you'd said, right, these first seven games, they're going to be missing a lot of guys. They're going to be playing two teams in the opening weeks of the season that all have had competitive games under their belt. There's going to be derby games, everything like that. So seven games, seven points. Looks like they're two points out of the playoff places at this stage. If you'd said that to me before the season, I'd have been happy. Looking at it now with how they started, it's hard not to be disappointed. Really be happy with one point a game after seven games? Well, when I looked at what the schedule was, I didn't even see us getting to seven points there. Okay. Who we were playing. I didn't it's see similar. us in Portland. I didn't see us getting anything from TFC because I thought they'd be up and running. Well, we, Zach, we, is that, Zach, it's very similar to you predicting 6-1 loss and then Moline is 3 nothing, and then that being ahead of that expectation. So. Yeah, I hear it. But, I mean, the, the crazy thing is when you – I mean, this is an important part of breaking down where – you know, how they've gotten to where they're at. All of – I think, uh, you know, they took game – they took points from three games, and two of those games they took points from were Champions League teams. Right, Portland squad it, was yeah. Good. That's why it feels disappointing now. Yeah, and then they took points from the the cats' butts over in Montreal. So, well, we'll come into a little bit more of that in the next part. But we'll also hear from both head coaches. But we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's a song I love to dig out whenever we play Houston. It's from 2007. It's Houston's MLS anthem from Mike Jones, Don't Play. Who? Houston Dynamo. Houston Dynamo. Who? Houston Dynamo. Houston Dynamo. We definitely need to get a, a Whitecaps rap done. Have a, a little word with our good friend Word over in Edinburgh. See if he can get something done for us. They used to have one in the stadium, Michael. Don't you remember? A rap? Yeah. No. Well, oh, was- in the very oh. first season. No. No? Not that long ago. I don't remember that. I mean, not rap rap. It's Maybe like- I've blocked it out of my head. It was like a, like a, a, like a hype video. Yeah. 
Oh, I do vaguely remember that now. Mm. I can't remember what beginning of what season that was. It's, it's, it, it, they're using the last few. Everything just blurs into one now in, in terms of years. But in the first part, you got our thoughts on the, the Houston-Vancouver game. Let's hear a little bit of audio now from both head coaches. First of all, we're going to hear from Houston's Tab Ramos. Then, from Vancouver Whitecaps, Mark DeSantis. Yeah, I think in general today, there were, there were parts of the first half where I thought this was a little bit of the team I had envisioned, you know, in, in preseason, uh, where we're extremely dangerous when we get the ball. And, uh, you know, we're creating opportunities and we're actually, you know, we're getting some goals. So, I, you know, I was, I was pretty happy with the first half. Uh, I thought the first five, ten minutes we, you know, were a little difficult. Uh, but I think it was difficult for both teams. It was, it was a hard-fought game. And, uh, and I think we, we got a good win. Because I had read, you know, uh, various quotes about, you know, um, more coming from, I think, from them about this is going to be a war you know, kind of thing. So we we never wanted to escalate. We just wanted to play hard in our home game. And, you know, the two teams that, that really needed this win uh, because after this weekend coming up, you know, we're we're off for quite a few weeks. So this gives us uh, – this kind of gives us wings to keep to keep building here. So I'm, I'm happy about that. You know, us allowing them back in the game with that goal kind of caught everybody by surprise because it came out of nowhere in the game. It was – we had the game under control at that time. Uh, and it kind of surprised everybody. So, but I'm I'm proud of the team at the way they defended in the end because I think you know we may go through those scenarios again this year where we have to defend the one goal at the end of the game. And for as much as we want to press high and be all the way up the field, there's going to be times where you have to weather the storm. And uh, and I'm proud at the way the team fought to weather the storm. Let's start with the positives. Uh, goal from open play. The golden goal from open play. It, it must feel good to get that sort of off your shoulders. But how did you feel about the offense? It looked like at times you couldn't break down Houston and they were just waiting for that turnover to turn the ball the other way. Yeah, thanks for setting up the the, the press conference. Uh, I think you set it up with a good question and a good point. Number one, I I would prefer to score two goals on set plays today and maybe get a point or a win than one goal on open play. So for me, the most important is the goals and not not really if it's open play or or set plays. Um, every time we play a team that is lower, it happened uh, in good moments of the season. You know, like a Portland, like a Colorado, uh, that are more transition oriented when they win the ball. Um, we've struggled to break down opponents. You know, we're trying a lot of things. We're trying to to have many guys in different spots on the field to originate with uh, with the guys' situations of goal. Uh, but I, I agree with you. And that was more the story of the first half. I thought we came in well in the game. You know, we, we had flow to our game. We had good possession. And then in one play that we misread, it's a transition against us. We're, we're, we don't read that the ball is, is not under pressure and we don't drop fast enough. The, the ball gets in behind and then it puts us in, a, in trouble. You know, they get the 1-0 and then it created a little bit of uh, unsettlement in our team. Unfortunately, we gave for the first time a goal on, on a set play. We're very disappointed with it. And then in the second half, I think the last, I would say, 35 minutes, we reacted, we pushed, 
uh, we tried, you know, but like you said, there's there's not enough clarity uh, in that last pass, last play around the the 18-yard the box or in the last third. So it's disappointing. Um, and we need to grow in that 100%. We need to grow as a team in that area. So you, you head into the break, losers of three straight. Obviously not the way you wanted to go into the international break. Um, when you talk about the, the offense and the things that are missing, it's something we've been talking about for a while now. So how desperate is that situation to, to find that solution since it, it doesn't look like it's, it's here right now? I, it's, you, you're putting me on a, a little bit uncomfortable position, you know, asking that question because for me, the, my role, my role, and, uh, you know, again, let me be clear. I talk, me and Axel, we talk every day about where we need to improve the team and we're the same way we're desperate with some areas that we want to improve, you know, and we're working on that off the field. But the most important thing for me as a coach is trying to, to work on that on the field, you know, consider what we have and what is right now my assessment during the break is going to be um, what are best weapons to try to to open up the play and do better in the, the opponent's half and uh, rethink our structure tactically. Uh, you know, if we're not able to play in a certain way, it's my job as a coach to try to, to work on a way with the guys that are here to unlock things. And this is my job, give confidence to the guys, uh, help them unlock things with the guys we have. And at the same time, work closely with Axel to try to uh, find solutions off the field. And we're doing that a lot. Uh, so look, we wanted to, like you said, we didn't want to go into the break with three losses in a row. Um, but we wanted to make sure that we got points. We weren't able to do it, uh, but we finish and we go into the break where in our division, everything's very close to each other. If you look at the standings, the points from the last one to maybe the fourth or the third, everything is very close. So there's an assessment to be made, the work to be done, and, and it's important this break to assess everything. The gaffers there talking uh, about the game between the Dynamo and the Whitecaps. But we touched on it in the last part. So I just want to talk about some of the other post-game comments that have been flying around on the Twitter sphere from the Houston Dynamo camp. So right after the game, Tim Parker, former Whitecap, tweeted out the headline from a province article from this week which said, Whitecaps will be in the thick of MLS West playoff race after this weekend, says DeSantis. After the Houston game, I guarantee you that we're going to be very close or across the playoff line, vows head coach of a team that has lost two straight matches. So Tim Parker tweeted that out alongside a meme saying, and I took that personally. And then Zarek Valentin retweeted that as well. But then after the game, our good friend Harjit Jahal jumped on the Houston call and Timmy Parker was up talking. So I want to read you a couple of quotes from, from Timmy that, that she asked him. 
um, just about whether that whether reading that had kind of pin, been pinned to the bulletin board, uh, as you always hear managers talking about. So Timmy said, we saw it before the game today. We're trying to build something here. I don't think that should be taken lightly when teams come down here to play in Houston, that they think they can just come here, get points. That's not going to be given out easily down here. And then when asked if he was surprised by MDS's comments, he said, Yeah, I was surprised. It's hard to win in this league in general. When you kind of put an expectation like that, the opposing team for us, we kind of saw it as a little bit disrespectful. It definitely drove us tonight. So there you go. What what do you make of that? Is it wise to make bold predictions like that and just wind up the opposition? It's funny. I made a comment about it. Yes, last week it was a funny thing that you know we made a we. I said something about Kansas City. I didn't think he, Mark DeSantos would have said something like that um, when going into this game. Um, yeah, I was very surprised that he's, he made any kind of prediction like that. In a way, he's not that far off because he no, is. I mean, close. he is right. <laughs> yeah, he is right. That he, but he, like, I don't know. Maybe he just expected. Maybe he should have clarified that. I think other teams are going to lose. We might not win, but every other team's going to lose. I don't yeah. know. If that it, it's always a thing. Like over in the UK, it's a big thing. Managers talk after the game about feeling disrespected, and like I pinned those comments up on the in the dressing room wall. It seems exactly what, what Houston did for this one, Zach. Yeah, and like, do you really need to give them any more motivation? Like, Especially, I mean, t- yeah, Tim Parker in particular. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you could see it on his face today, Tim Parker, how much he yeah. wanted it, how disappointed he was when the goal the, they conceded. Um, yeah, I'm happy for Tim. I don't know if the, uh, the orange jerseys go with his hair color so well, but I'm happy. It, it just blends into the background of the seats. Yeah. I'm happy for for him that hopefully he's found a place where he can uh, be an everyday starter and uh, really just uh, hopefully achieve a few things uh, along the way as well. I mean, Um, my my big hope for Tim Parker is that he's got a a deal with some sunblock company. He's going to need it down there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, from the MDS comments too, the other thing, I I don't know, the the post-game comments from him, one thing that stood out to me, and uh, I mean, it was a fair question from from JJ uh, when, about the whole, you know, finally scoring from open play or whatever. Yeah, I like I like how if you watch the the, the interview, he really sternly looks straight in the camera and without blinking. Is like, you know, because JJ's like, does it feel good? You know, you got he had some good attack, and he looked at the camera and he's like, well, he said. I would much rather had had two goals from open or from from set pieces today than than the one from open play, which I felt was weird. I thought he should have said three goals, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> but it was a big it was a big like all you who are talking about goals from open play don't get it. This is about results, and yeah. it doesn't matter we scored from open play today because we didn't get a result. And in those games where some of those games where we did score dead you know from dead balls, uh, we got results. So shut up and stop talking about this. It's kind of like. What his yeah, which in all honesty, see when the goal went in, I was like, "Thank you, we can stop going on about goals from open play for a little bit," because if they'd gone into this break and they had not got a goal from open play on the back of three straight defeats, oh man, it's like that's all that would have been written and talked about. Although quite rightly, in in some senses as well. 
And I know we didn't talk about the goal too much um, uh, before, but gr- great play by Raposo in in yeah. pushing up on there, and that's yeah, something actually that, that that's never, a, that's a good thing to see, yeah, yeah, because because and and it's kind of what they want to do as well uh, when they talk about scoring, um, uh, putting the pressure up top to force other teams into mistakes, and uh, it finally achieved it. So it's good that they got that. Hopefully, they can keep that going going forward. Yeah. Now the the thing that we've talked about in the break is the lack of a false nine and the, um, and the, uh, the fact that no, there's no been no goals in the first half. Yes. So just just a couple more things. Or or maybe new right wing back to St. Ricketts. I, I want to just give a, a bit of a shout out to Ryan Raposo as well, because I thought he did well when he came on today. Last week, we were quite hard on him. I think it maybe does show that as of right now, and Mark kind of said this himself afterwards, he needs to improve to be a starter, but he is effective off the bench. If he can be effective off the bench, but to be effective, you kind of want assists and goals, then that's a great role for him. So I think he needs to work on that effectiveness, first of all, and then maybe try and get starting minutes. But it was a better performance today. And I think it'll be a big confidence booster for the young lad. Yeah, um, I, and I think he might have. Wouldn't he have picked up a secondary assist? I don't know if he got the ball, his foot on the ball. I can't remember now. I but, haven't uh, checked, but I, yeah, I, yeah, wouldn't be, wouldn't be no, unfair but it's not to give a, it's him that. Not, it's not a bad shout, though. A couple of players I want to talk about. I want to talk about Javane Brown. So we talked a little bit about him in the first half. I thought he was a little bit shaky to start the game off because I was like, well, I think this shows he's not a left back. But as the game went on, I kind of think he found his stride a little bit. Gaspar as well, I thought, struggled a little bit in the first half in being caught out of position and being too far up the pitch and then not having anyone tracking back to help him in in that case. So I think that was a, a little bit costly at times as well. But, I mean, I don't think going forward Brown as a left back is something that we're going to see but we saw a bit of him last week at right back we've seen him today I'm liking what I see from him I'm liking the confidence of the lad MDS talked after the game that basically he is he came in not up to the levels that they were needing from college and that's something like when I chat to Mark next week I want to ask him about David Egbo who seems to have just disappeared off the face of the earth, has it been a case that as well, he has maybe not come in at the level they need fitness-wise or, or, or whatever. But I, I've liked what I've seen of Brown. I like what I've seen of Gaspar. We touched on it last week. There were some rumours swirling around this week that the Whitecaps might make a trade. And when you look at who they might make a trade, Jake Norvinsky stands out as the only guy, surely, that they might be trading just now. Yeah, and and it concerned me. It, it would concern anybody that any player that does that has a knock right now, uh, that does sorry doesn't have a knock, wasn't uh, in that lineup. Yeah, uh, because they dress two goalies instead Again, of dressing one of the players. They've, they've done that for three or four games. But I'm assuming I'm assuming that's because that they 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 need to because they don't have enough players to the bench or something like that. That's my only guess. No, there's been other times where there's been other players available. And they've dressed two goalies. It's that's not, weird. That's not a good sign. I don't know. That sounds like a punishment to me, to those players for not being in Fitch. Yeah. So. It's funny you say that because that's how I was thinking of it as well. It's like, if if you're 
able to play and you're not making this bench. Like Theo Bear wasn't making the bench when not injured and they had both Hassel and Newton on the bench. So that's definitely a message getting sent. We talked a little bit about Kyle and Baldy uh, in the last part. If we, we kind of look at the midfield in general and we'll kind of tie all this together now. So there's, there's 27 days off now before the next game which is an away game in their home stadium against RSL. So as I mentioned, there's a lot to think about here. But when you look at what maybe needs to get worked upon, what your biggest concerns are, for me, one of them is this midfield. It just doesn't seem to be clicking enough to generate stuff for the attack. It also maybe doesn't seem to be helping out enough for the defence. And I, I don't really know what the answer is. Is it a simple case of having someone like Ali Adnan left midfield? Do we need to go to maybe a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 formation? What, what do you think, Steve? I, I think they need to uh, use these weeks they have off to experiment and try to figure out what's the best uh, formation for them. In some ways, the 4-4-2 works because uh, we don't have that third person in the midfield. Um, to, but then on other hands, and, and it works too because you, we've had we've seen parts where Dahomey uh, is very effective in the middle. But how much does that take away from the midfield because you lose a person there, and that would that that's dangerous too. So it's yeah. just a matter of balancing it, and they're gonna have to figure out. And I I think they have to go back and forth from a four four two to a four three three or four two three one, whatever you want to call it, um, depending on the opposition they're gonna face. I was on the, the post-game show tonight for a little bit on AM 7.30 and Colin Miller asked me about what I thought about the bite in the midfield and obviously two Scottish people talking to each other and the way that Colin played as well as a player, quite an aggressive player. We, we do seem to lack that bite in a way but Kyle has shown a little bit of bite, a little bit of aggression but he didn't really show it tonight. And I, I wonder if he's maybe been told to calm down a little bit because he'd picked up a couple of bookings. But I, that's why I like the idea of Kyle and Baldy in there because they're both quite aggressive players that can play a little bit on the edge, have a little bit of a bite to them. And I feel that is what we need. We're needing somebody that can take control of the middle of the park and kind of yeah. just like shake it up a little bit. The thing is, for me, uh, Bikel and Wosu, I think they're very... Uh, you know, good play, like solid players, but they're not starting material where they can get the ball forward. Mm-hmm. That's their biggest lacking there, that they don't get the ball forward. Um, while Baldi, Simo, and Kayo are guys that can get it forward into dangerous positions. And I think that's where the lacking is. If they had a third person, then yes, you can put Owosu or Bikel with one of the other two. But we, you need that third person in the midfield. Aside from match fitness for Owosu, what has kept Bikel as a starter? See, he hasn't stood out a lot for me, but his stats are showing he's doing a lot of stuff. He's winning balls, he's winning tackles, he's doing the things that you want him to do in that position. It just hasn't leaped out at me from watching it. So I guess I, I, they're I, analysing the stats and going with that. I think defensively he's very effective, but the problem is is how much you sacrifice defense for the attack. And and when you're playing two in the midfield, uh, when you only have two guys there, uh, and you put Bikel as one of them, you're losing a lot. 
at that point. If he had three, like I said before, if he had three, then he's totally effective player there. I, I said this last year, and I'm going to say it again. I'd, I'd love us to play 4-5-2. Yes, it's 11 players, 12 in total with Max, and it's not allowed, but that would solve all our problems. Just get that extra man in the middle of the park. Yeah, even exactly. settle for 4-4-3. Four, four, <laughs> Could we put that to FIFA since they're doing lots of studies at the moment with various things? Maybe they could look into that. Could you say it's going to please the American market to get an extra player on the pitch? I think it's... I, I, w- I was going to suggest that the other opposition team plays with one man less, but that sometimes is not effective for the White Cap either. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just have a, a little look at the, the who scored ratings from this one as... We kind of like to look at that. It's an interesting one. Cripple, 5.3 he got. I guess they're attributing him... The first it, it, goal. Well, they've, they've put an error against him. Yeah. Just like for Houston, they've put an error against Garcia and he gets a 5.8. He is their lowest scoring guy. Whitecaps, like who, who was your standout player for the Whitecaps today? Because I'm surprised by this rating. Because up until the goal, I had it as Kyle. Yeah. Isn't it who they have? They've got Caicedo. Oh, Caicedo. At 7.6. And that's because of the goal. Yeah, but they've got Alejandri at 6.2. Yeah, I He was my best player today. I agree with you. I thought he was the best player. And I I even, I think uh, Cavallini got 7.1 because of the assist for the goal. Mm. I think so that's very, probably why he's up. skewed ratings because Cavallini was definitely not a 7.1 rating for me today. Yeah, these ratings always have uh, big moments uh, uh, affected, like uh, big moments. And I think they're going a lot analytically instead of watching the game. Um, so analytically, they put their uh, all the stats in there and then, you know, in a math, you know, in the equation and they figure out who the best is. So I think like goals... Um, assists, errors by the goalkeeper or uh, players on the field will play a big part in these uh, ratings. But the interesting thing of this is Baldissimo comes on at half time and gets a 6.3 rating, which was more than Alejandra and, well, same as yeah. Bikel. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know how much stock you can put in these kind of things, as you say, but it does kind of show people maybe just are, are looking at different things for the game because Brown gets a 6.9 rating, the best defender. He did come onto the game a bit, but I don't. I was going to say I don't know. If I would say he was the best defender, but then again, I don't know who I would say was the best defender. But I think it continues to show the issue lies in the midfield for us. Dahomey as well, I thought had a, a bit of a poor game today, Zach. It was maybe one of his worst games as a white cap. We kind of need him to be on his game. It feels otherwise the, the attack's not got much going for it. Yeah, it was. I think easily his worst game of the season uh, and wasn't surprised when he was substituted, um, which is saying a lot because he's been probably the most exciting thing for the Whitecaps in 2021. Um, but yeah, he was, he was not a, at the races today and not in great form. So hopefully the, the uh, extended rest and recovery will allow him to, uh, to, re- to refine his form. Did you did you catch that awkward question in the post game press conference to Eric Godoy? Oh no, I didn't watch the the players' ones. 
he was asked, um, what's he going to spend his time do doing during, during the break? Is he going to go and do some stuff or, or oh. And uh, he said, uh, no, I'm going to work. On, I'm going to do my, you know, retreatments and I'm going to do training because I want to get, I want to keep getting better. Yeah, that's a weird question. Also, as well, they're only getting something like four or five days off in this twenty-seven thing. They're training all next week. Yeah, it's then... almost like a it's almost like a mini uh, preseason. Again. Yeah, so they yeah. train all next week. Then they've got four or five days off. Players can come back to Vancouver if they want. Uh, so anyone that's family still here, they'll come back. Otherwise, they'll stay in Utah or go wherever. Then they're back on the training pitch. And they might even line up a friendly or two in that time as well to, to try and get some sharpness going. So it's not that they've got 27 days off that they're not going to be doing anything or even like a week or two weeks. Yeah. People will come back. Don't they have to quarantine and stuff? Or is that changing? No, again, it's the whole charter in and out. You're, also, America is very different in that you don't have to quarantine no, when you land in America. Oh, come, no, again, the charter lets them get away from, from that if they just go straight from and the also, airport to their family. Also, if they're vaccinated or something like that, they have proof they're yeah, vaccinated. Yeah, because they, they they they've got both their, their shots now as well, so they got their second doses on Monday. Maybe that was why they're a bit flat. The, <laughs> the vaccine stopped them. Well, it the depends on some, some of them actually do affect a person for more than a week. Yeah, uh, like, I mean, it, it can. Like, Yeah, I mean, I don't think this was the case tonight, but yeah, the, it can. Maybe it, the, the second maybe doses the, apparently can wipe some folk out for a few days. Yeah. Maybe they should have waited till after this game if that was the case. Hey, if that was the case, um, in these things, so maybe they should have like uh, waited another week because well, they, they probably knew they Monday. were going to Texas and they wanted to be as yeah. protected as possible. That's a very good point. I uh, I listened to your interview with the uh, the Caps guy from a number of weeks ago talking about all this. It was just interesting to hear his perspective on on that, and and it sounds like they took that all into consideration and chose this as being the best time, probably yeah. what was available to them. But yeah. Yeah. Which, which no, I think they'll all be happy sense. that they have that done. So th this time off, they're gonna it is gonna be like a mini preseason. So they've got a lot to work on. If I was to say to you, put you on the spot just now, give me three things you'd like to see them really, really work on during this break. What would you pick? Shooting, and, passing, and, and defending. <laughs> Shooting, passing, and defending. Yes, that's that's it. We've solved the Whitecaps um, woes again. Are you talking um, about your kids, your kids' team that's that's playing this spring, or no, no? Well, I know I don't have. I'm not coaching anybody. Um, uh, my, um, my coaching would be shoot, just shoot. Finish the halfway they, line. But think of it: the the couple of games they've had issues with finishing. So obviously, finishing is very important. Um, they need to work on how to break down the opposition. Uh, uh, midfield and back line, like the when they're especially when they're sitting behind them, and defending obviously has been a huge issue with them too because they they just don't seem to be on the right page or the same page. Uh, so all three of them are keys to getting this team back in, in working order. Just build chemistry essentially during these days that they have, like build chemistry mm -hmm. in training and yes, see if that could, they, can, that is they can bring that out into the onto the pitch during the game said I think that's key but then Zach we're going to be losing players for international duty because they're going to be away with Canada so building chemistry without those guys in the team is also kind of difficult yeah that's that's going to be hard I mean you're talking about the three things they should work on I think they need to work on uh, continue to work on movement and patterns within the final third like I yeah think, huge uh, massively 
can be worked on a lot. Um, I, I also I, I need to find out as well because originally, if you were away, like out with your international team, it was a five days quarantine before you could join the the team bubble again. Oh, yeah. So let's say the guys come back on June 9th, they'll be quarantining 9, 10, 11, 12, up to the 13th or 14th. So then they've only got three or four days before the RSL game. Yeah, so they might not be in. And the, and the thing is also, uh, I agree with you there, uh, but moving without the ball is huge too. Uh, that, the movement without the ball in accordance to that final third that you're talking about. That's a part of it though, right, Steve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And how you do the drills and how you are instructing and asking your players to play, right? Like I, I, I've, you know, in the last decade and a half or whatever, following uh, That's football, another team. Following football, no, following football in Vancouver, I've heard right. lots of different coaches speak about, you know, what you do in the final third in different ways. And I think mm. uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of the, um, you know, uh, let them uh, express themselves in the final third. I think yeah. you, as a team need to have uh, at least some patterns of play that you're trying to, um, you know, live out on the field together. And so I, I think that, that like, that's a huge one. The other, another one I would say, which I know they're already doing, but I think they need to double down perhaps more, 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 more so on the defensive side is on set pieces. I mean, what happened, what happened on the winning, the match winning goal today should never happen to you. I don't care no. if you're solo marking. I don't care if you're man marking. I don't care if it's a combination of the two that, yeah. that can happen. Goals that, like that, that can happen. That's a, yeah, that was definitely. Um, the thing is about moving without the ball too. One thing you want to uh, get this into people's heads is that it's not only you moving to get into open spots, but you're dragging defenders away from other spots where uh, your teammate can overlap and and find those open spots because they're moving away. Oh. So, yeah, the, the, you they need to do something like that. I know MDS at the beginning of his tenure talked about the final third. Like you remember when we Michael, you were there when he was talking about. Um, you know, this is what they're going to do in the oh, yeah. uh, defending third, middle yeah, third, and we've fi never seen final it. third. We, fi well, the final third, they want them to create, the, uh, be creative. That's what they, they mentioned there. Yeah. But I think there's time with now that they gotta let that go and become, um, like, like Zach said, have a kind of an idea of what they want to do in that final yeah. third. I, the other thing, the other thing I would say for me would be shooting and just yeah. so you have some fun. But one question for you guys today after Dahomey went off. Had the Whitecaps won a penalty, who would have taken it, do you think? I think Cavalini. Cavalini. Cavalini would have taken it. Okay. And we, would, we, sure. we, had a whole, we had a whole bunch of other stuff to talk about. Yeah. That happened. <laughs> He'd have scored. He wouldn't miss another one. For me, the main things they need to work on, It's some of it's the same as before. The midfield tracking their man, tracking the runners, but just being more aware of what is going on around them in both boxes. So you need strikers to be more aware of there's a pass on, or you need the defenders to be more aware of that guy's unmarked, that guy's making a run. That's really let us down. But the finishing, the composure in front of the goal is a key thing as well. But you can practice that as much as you want in training. When you get to a game time situation, it's a different kind of pressure. Yeah. And it's the same with ball watching again. There's only so much a coach can do. The players have to step up and take responsibility. And the, and the, and the thing is, the goal today, we're, again, we're talking about a diver's goal. Uh, he, the, he, that's the composure you want. 
where he took yes. his time, got around the goalkeeper, uh, figured out where he was going to shoot it and shot it without with actually pinpointing it because there were three defenders there. Yeah. And in the past, a white cap player would have shot it and would hit a defender and gone somewhere else. In this case, he saw where the opening was. He nailed it right into that spot and scored. That's something we haven't seen before or, or that often with the Whitecaps. And full credit to Diver for that. Like it was, it was, it was uh, refreshing to see that kind of composure in front of goal. Now the transfer window is still open, so there's still time to get some business done. We know there's going to be a number ten. I think we talked about this last week. We know there needs to be some kind of help on left wing, left midfield as well. Is there any other? area of the field you'd like to see a little bit more in maybe a, another backup striker or something well the thing is considering they haven't really nailed it down yet um i know striker would be important but i think center back uh, might be something that they want to look into that they, if they want to move somebody on uh because right now they're not uh they're just rotating people around and like honestly today godoy and rose didn't very much confidence in me and i don't know which combination um if cornelius is not going to get time then they, they need to move him on uh because i'm not sure why what they have against him like in, uh, i haven't seen like uh, he's made as many mistakes probably or probably less than other people mm. and and they keep put, keeping him on the bench so i don't know i don't understand like ranko has made some terrible gaffes rose today made a huge error and he didn't look good in that first game and Godoy, Godoy is definitely the starter. If he's healthy, he's the starter. But they got to figure out that second position. Either figure it out or bring somebody else in. That's that's not a bad shout, Steve. Uh, a center a center back. Um, yeah, even just to put pressure on the guys as well. Competition for places and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, we don't know what kind of room they're dealing with. I mean, obviously they have infinite amount of room on the DP side to deal to work with yeah. but in terms of the I, I think like Glass City worked out that they should have over two million in gam or something from from stuff. So you can get a lot done with that. They're just serving like gam sandwiches around their throat or everything. Yeah. Um but no they they um I, the, the striker thing is interesting because yeah Egbo hasn't done anything. Bear got time today but uh you know not he hasn't got a lot of it and then well, uh, Ricketts, we finally Ricketts. got to see, but yeah, but then he went to right back essentially after Jasper yeah. went up. So it's kind of weird. I mean, they could use another striker, but again, which of those are you going to make? Which of those are going to make space for another striker, right? Or uh, ironic that you said last week that you didn't see Ricketts as a right midfielder, and he ended up going yeah. right back. <laughs> I was shocked. I was like, what? Yeah. yeah. What? You know, I was like, but I think that was that. I think that was just coverage. I think they they had him there for coverage. But yeah, Here, here's something you have seen during the week that Toronto added Dom Dwyer. Not really a guy I would really want to have here, but he does know how to find the the back of the net. Is he the kind of guy that you feel the Whitecaps should look to bring in an MLS vet? Maybe not necessarily as a striker, maybe as a left winger or something, but a guy that's been there, done that, maybe is good for a few starts, can maybe challenge your main guy to see who's most in form. I think a veteran winger would be very handy. Um, maybe a winger that can play in the middle uh, in spot times or something. But I think if Ricketts is healthy, I think I, I don't mind him being the backup. Yeah. 
And if Dahomey can move into the middle in, in a, in, by himself, I don't know if he can or not, if he's capable. But I think that's fine. I think a winger is help, uh, needed because then that way you don't have to force Tybert into that position, and then uh, he could cover in the middle if he needs you. I, I just, I just, you just need to sort out the roster right now. I, I feel like there's too much overlapping, and if I, I don't see the reason for the depth because they have good depth, they, they, decent depth if everybody's healthy. I don't. I'm not the, as confident no, about the depth as I was. No, no. What, what I'm saying is they have okay. No, maybe not depth, but bodies. They have bodies in certain. Oh yeah, positions. they've got every position covered. Yeah. So, but if the if MDS wants to go with a very consistent lineup, and he doesn't want to waver from that, maybe they don't need that that many bodies, and maybe they can move people on and create open spots for others others mm-hmm. to come in, or maybe just instead of having uh, quantity, maybe improve the qual- the quality of the team. And is it? I mean, we were talking about center back earlier. Has anyone seen or heard anything about um, uh, Fun Hair down in Texas? Yasser Kamiri, yeah, he's been starting for San Antonio. I've been looking at the games and stuff. He, by all accounts, he seems to be doing not too bad down there. Is he? I mean, it's a year-long loan, but is that someone? I mean, I, I'm not advocating for him to be drawn back in, but is that someone who's I, I not? I mean, this this is his chance to show that he can a stay healthy. Yeah. And B can can be a decent decent player. So no, I've I've been watching just to to keep an eye on it. But he's 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 getting minutes and seems to be doing not too bad. I don't think they would look to bring him back this year. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I mean we could see. Last thing I want to just say, there's obviously still a lot of unknowns about when are the Canadian teams going to be back playing in Canada, and. A lot's going to be t- depend on the border and whether folk can come back and forward on the border, even more than, say, provincial kind of restrictions and stuff. But I, I just want to mention to end this part, I was watching on Thursday night, might have been Friday night, days kind of blend into one, as I was mentioning before. But I was watching, I mentioned last week, I've been watching the A-League because the games are on, on YouTube. So Wellington Phoenix returned for their first home game in New Zealand for 433 days because they had to relocate to Australia to to play their home games because of the travel ban. And it was a packed 20-plus thousand crowd. It was the biggest crowd in A-League this year. It was a record crowd for Wellington. And the atmosphere, they just roared that team onto a 3-0 victory that could have been more. And it just really made me hanker for the day that we can get that back at, at BC Place. Hopefully it's sooner rather than later. But it, if we can get into BC Place for the second half of the season, that could be the kind of thing that gives us a little bit of an edge. Uh, yeah, that, w- that would be like an emotional lift. I, I, I'm Again, you don't know how many people... I don't think we're going to get the, the same crowd as what they're getting uh, because they're well ahead of what uh, uh, Canada is. Um, we yeah. uh, we might have just like maybe half capacity or... Or the one point. guy with the flag. Or the one guy with the flag. But even with the one guy with the flag, I think it will be hugely emotional. Well, if, if he's got Zach's megaphone, then we're sorted. I don't know. I don't know what... Um, I mean, it all depends on what capacity is. But the more, more and more, I feel like... Like before, I thought, oh, like some people are going to wait and be hesitant and... Mm whatever but the more things go on i think as soon as they're allowed to have people in i think it might like with their artificial capacities and whatever yeah. 
might sell out. No, I, I agree because I've been watching what's happening in the UK and the, the, there's been no hesitancy at all. They're getting back there. I watched some of the Scottish playoff games this week where there was just crowds of 500 there. But just the noise they generated was just like tremendous. And sometimes that actually gets a better atmosphere when you've got a roof over you and just really vocal support singing and stuff. So every little helps. And hopefully soon the Whitecaps will have fans back at BC Place. But that's it for our Whitecaps chat for this episode. We're going to be back rounding up the weekend's action in Major League Soccer after this. Hi, I'm Tim Parker, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Such a shame you had that crash. Oh, that will teach you to chop flesh. And that lot will hit it at full power. Your blood gushing like a shower. Gotta take it down to polish. Plastic surgery is so plastic. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month for AFTN here in May. This is probably going to be the the last show that we feature them, so we're going to play two songs by them. It's Adam and the Ants, and the two songs that we're going to play, they both come from the soundtrack from the 1978 seminal punk film, Jubilee, which, I'll be honest, is not a great film. It's a bit of a hard watch. In short, an angel brings Queen Elizabeth I back to 1970s London, where she befriends some female punks. And there's a lot of nudity in it, I think, really just for the sake of nudity. But what makes the film is the soundtrack. It's some absolutely fantastic songs on it, including two by Adam and the Ants. And that was one of them that you heard there. Plastic surgery. I'm sure you could say there's some plastics going around MLS these days uh, amongst various fan bases. Not for us to to cast aspersions of course, but in this part of the show we're going to be turning our attention to the rest of Major League Soccer. We've looked at the Whitecaps, we don't want to talk about them anymore, so we're going to look around the, the Western Conference, all the games in the West, and the best of the rest. Now, I've seen so much chatter and in the the calls and stuff on the Whitecaps as well going on about how the Whitecaps are are going into the international break. And as I mentioned earlier, they're not. They're training for a week. There's still another weekend of action to come in Major League Soccer before the international break. And that's next weekend. 
But we're here to talk about this weekend's action. And it, w- it was a mixture of, of entertaining fare. It wasn't as exciting as some of the previous weekends. There weren't as many galazzos as some of the previous weekends. Three sides remain unbeaten at the end of it. Two teams got their first wins of the season and it was a Saturday to forget for all three Canadian teams who came away empty-handed. We'll be looking at all of that. But let's start the, the chat off by the game that probably made the biggest highlight of the, the weekend, but not for the best reasons. Portland LA Galaxy, 3-0 win for the Timbers in the end. And Lower Cascadia was probably jumping at that one because it's kind of started to send Portland in the the right stratosphere. They're they're heading upwards, they're heading into the, the playoff places for the first time this year. Now, the teams were goalless in this one and it was a fairly even game uh, as halftime approached. But then came the, the game-changing moment, 44th minute, Derek Williams from LA Galaxy, straight red for a, a horror tackle on Portland's Andy Polo. I'm sure you'll have seen the, the highlights of that. Now, just what was you? What did you make of that? What was your take of that tackle? Yeah, it was uh, rough. Definitely no um, touch of the ball at all. It was all no. just... And it was really a clumsy tackle. I don't know if it was, uh, there was any intent there, but... Definitely, I don't it was think more than malice. I think it was yeah, just mistimed. Th- yeah, mistimed, well, horribly mistimed. Yeah. Um, very then, bad judgment, really, to to go in at that speed. I think you can say as well. Yeah, and and, and he was on his horse to, to and he took yeah. a polo, so it was, it was a rough shot there. Um, uh, the, the, the I like the first half was basically non-existent. Almost there was nothing yeah. going on in that first half. And all the goals then came in that you know the first twenty-five minutes of the second half. It was just yeah. like one after another there. But I mean, the 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 tackle on Polo Zach, I mean, I, I like my robust tackles, but there's robust tackles and they're whatever the hell that was. They were both going at full speed, I think, which made it look a lot worse. And amazingly, Polo walks off the pitch, but then you see him in the second half in a leg brace and, and crutches. It was like at full speed watching it live. You're like, oh, jeez. Yeah, and when slowing it down, it was like worse. Uh, yeah, there's a still showing that he basically he's scissor kicks him around the middle. Yeah, it was it was not good. He's going to get more than one game for that, surely. Oh, I hope so. Um, yeah, I, we were we were talking about it ourselves, whatever. But it reminds you of like a, a really bad rec league tackle between two teams that mm. are um, maybe have a strong uh, negative feelings towards each yeah, other. Yeah, a bit of an axe to grind. Yeah, one player kind of decides to take things into their own hands. Um, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, the thing was the game, I didn't get to see all the game, but the first of the game I saw, the, the game seemed like it, it was still highly in the balance. Like It was still goalless. Portland had had the better chances. Like the LA keeper had made a couple of, uh, a couple of decent saves or whatever in the first half. But um, I, I think, if, I mean, Greg Van, he's just probably really, really frustrated mm. that basically they threw away the opportunity at a, at a road point or maybe more. Well, yeah, then, it, it wasn't a three-goal a three goal game and oh, how yeah. it had played out before that. And the, the goals, as, as Steve said, they came thick and fast in the second half. Felipe Mora got a double. 
Diego Valeri tucked away a penalty. I don't think you can it, read too much into it for either side, though. No, no, I don't think so. Just to go back on the tackler, actually just came in my head. It reminded me, um, it wasn't at full speed, but I took out Slamo's kid once um, on, on the park. And <laughs> I, I apologize to Slamo. I'm sorry about that. He goes, oh, don't worry about it. He'll, he'll, he has to get used to that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Is that, you, took Koda? Huh? you took out Coda? Huh? You took out Coda? Kind of. It wasn't at the, like I said, it wasn't at the same speed, so there wasn't as much uh, velocity there. As you can tell, I'm not going to be at the same speed as the MLS players. Um, it's like yeah. it's the the old joke. It's like I got there as soon as I could. Yeah, exactly. And it was it was it, like people um, the way it looked at full speed. It looked very similar to Rio Coker's uh, tackle against San Jose, but Rio Coker got all ball, and that was the biggest difference there. There was no contact on Cronin at all at that time. Now, the the next game on Saturday between Western teams, I, I don't think anyone would have pegged this as a, a four-goal thriller between Dallas and, and RSL. Because, I mean, Dallas, they haven't really impressed so far to, to start the season. But their performance in the first half, from, from what I've seen of them, was their their first half of, of, of the year so far. And they only had one goal to show for it. David Ochoa in the, the RSL goal was just outstanding in this one. Yeah. Rubio Rubin, he continued his great start to the season for RSL, 20th minute opener, and then Dallas just peppered shots in for the rest of the half. Ochoa had save after save after save. Dallas eventually got a breakthrough from the spot when Marcella Silva, it, it was a clumsy tackle on Jader O'Brien. And away from the net too. Yeah, it was, it was a, it's the kind of one that you're like, why would you make that tackle? There was no yeah. threat at all. Franco Jara drilled home the spot kick. And, I mean, RSL, I'm sure, would have been happy to get in tied with, with how the game had gone. The second half, though, it wasn't as exciting. But I think the Texans would probably have felt that they'd secured all three points when Ryan Hollingshead had a deflected effort to put them 2-1 yeah. up in the, the 84th minute. But that lead just lasted just over a minute before Damir Krylach headed home the equaliser and that the points were shared. What do you make of this one? Um, I really like that first goal. Rubin, this mm. this is the, the kind of goal you need where a, a striker creates space for himself. He's in close on, with the defender and he actually like creates space on his own. Isn't and, it nice and to see? To get, yeah, so that was, that was fantastic. The PK... Um, I think that we said it was clumsy. I think a lot had to do with the slippery conditions. It was very similar to Houston. Um, where yeah. he, uh, So I, maybe it has something to do with that, but definitely something you want to be careful with in that area, especially going away from the net. Was it Rubio Rubin who scored the bicycle the week before? Possibly. I can't, I can't remember. remember now, but I know he's got a few this season. I mean, well, this, this is the thing. Like When the Caps are eventually back in action, 27 days' time, although the time this comes out will be 28, 6.25 days time it's RSL that they're going to be playing and they're home away from home so it's going to be an interesting one but are they the home team or are they're, the, they're the away team oh. in this one but from what I've seen so far the clear danger men are Rubin and Krylach they're going to be a handful for the, the Whitecaps defence but at the other end when you've got a keeper like Ochoa in the form that he was in for this one and you've got a stuttering Whitecaps attack it's not shaping up for a, a confidence one for me heading into this. We're still a long way away. There could be yeah. additions to the squad. I mean, who who knows? But well, yeah. RSL has RSL hasn't been that great. They have they've had moments, but they haven't. Their results haven't been fantastic. No, Even at home, but they've, they they've got the great. threats that can really yeah, punish us. That's, they do. That's they do. The, that's the issue. 
yeah. they can release the crylatch. Yeah. yeah. I as we keep saying, I like him and I've really I've liked Rubin. That's a great addition. Earlier I remember we were talking preseason or whatever. I was a little bit concerned about them allowing Bear to move on and go to LAFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Rubin has obviously more than filled so far, more than filled that uh that spot for them. Yeah, so I mean, he 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 came from San Diego loyal, but he he's obviously had previous experience in in Mexico and mm-hmm. in in Holland and Denmark and, and oh, places wow. like that as well. And he, he's he's had seven caps for the the US national team as well. I mean, he's doing well. He's the kind of guy you kind of just wish that the Whitecaps had possibly maybe scoped out. Now the the next game we'll talk about from Saturday. It's another all Western Conference clash and San Jose just feel like they've been at home every single week so far it's just just another home game for them a home to sport in Kansas City 3-1 win for KC clearly buoyed by destroying the Whitecaps the week before and Steve's buddy got a goal and And I think he got two helpers there yeah two two assists for Polito and a goal taken I mean, we we talked earlier about Houston pinning up JJ's article on the wall. I yeah. think Polito's obviously just playing Steve's comments over and over and over in the locker room, and it's just fired him up no end. You're welcome, Kansas City. Yes. Th- Johnny Russell can, can thank me in his own special way. But it's back-to-back wins for KC, three out of the last four. It's jumped them up to second in the, the West now, which just, as I keep saying, string a few results together. This is what can happen. All four goals, I thought, in this one were were really nice goals. San Jose opened the scoring. Four minutes in, Javier Lopez, to give him his proper name, banged one in to the top corner, 20 yards out. And that was their... Quake's corner. And that was their big mistake, scoring early, because that yes. woke up Kansas City. That was City. pretty much as good as it got for them. <laughs> they, they had their chances, and when yeah. it was 1-1, Andy Rios missed a sitter of a header in front of a goal, mm-hmm. which you'd be like, ooh... But Casey had levelled when Polito played in Jalen Lindsay and the youngster put it away in the 15th minute to tie it up. Then the Mexican put the visitors ahead in the hour mark with a banger of his own into this, the same top corner as Lopez. Uh, slight deflection of Tommy Thompson for that one. Polito then set up Daniel Saloy for a third in the 75th minute and that was it. Casey starting to hit their stride. That, that's what you expect from them as well. Uh, that's what we. That's what. That's why going into that Whitecaps game, they hadn't been playing up to their standards, and now they seem to be doing that. Yeah, and that's not good for anyone else in the West. No, like them being in form, Portland being in form, that's not really what you're looking. Although, thankfully, we've played both of them now, so we don't have to play them for a, a little bit. So there right. is that at least. Now, the the game that closed out the Saturday night action. LAFC 2, Colorado Rapids 1, and I mean, LAFC were in complete control of this one. There were two goals up at half-time. Diego Rossi got them both. He should have had a hat-trick as well. He fired yeah. one just past. They looked to be in cruise control before Michael Barrios pulled one back five minutes after the restart, and then he should have tied it up in the hour mark. It was an almost identical play, but this time the keeper saved it. Not a lot else to talk about, really, but... LAFC, we've talked about KC and Portland firing on all cylinders. LAFC aren't yet, but they're getting the wins on the board. But the thing is with LAFC, the two goals by Rossi, I can't remember what the miss was like, but the two goals were easy goals for him. 
Uh, because yes. the, the midfielders found him in the box. And he, all he had to do was convert from it. And it was basically on a silver platter for him. Well, the so, miss was the harder of the three because he did yeah. a lot of hard work and they just yeah. fired it inches past the, the far so, post. But the two goals were easy for him. Like they, they, they were, You couldn't have put, be, make it easier for a striker in those positions. Yeah, good, it's good for LAFC to, for the goats there to get Vela back and going where he set up the yeah. same. Um, I mean, and, ha- and, having him back and then having Rossi scoring again, it's like another case of like uh oh for the rest yeah. of the rest but they but their defense is is susceptible and yes. that's where it, you, they might get their points during the regular season but the playoffs that's going to hurt them again yeah. it was yeah. the aforementioned Baird who set up the first goal but yeah you're yeah, right he had a good game i thought yeah you're right though the defense for la it feels like it feels like this was so long ago but it feels like he has not recovered from um walkers the walker zimmerman trade like it feels like they've mm. never recovered defensively from that I mean, that seemed a strange trade at the time. It still does. Yeah. But, I mean, great for Zimmerman. He's he's thriving at Nashville, which we'll, we'll come to shortly. And his salary isn't crazy either. I thought his salary no. was higher for... I know. These are the things you see them and you're like, why did the Whitecaps not make a play? Well, maybe he didn't want to come to the Whitecaps. He doesn't have a say. I know, but uh, but <laughs> I think I think that was after the Spindola deal, so I think they maybe yeah. they, they checked in on that kind you, of you stuff. You do now. want a guy that would want to be here, to to be honest. I, I think after that, MLS probably said, if you're going to trade somebody, ask them before you trade them, see if they no, want to go there. They're, yeah. they're not, they don't care. They don't do that. Yeah, I know, um, but it, 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 especially if you're going to go to a Canadian team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sunday's action. We, we were talking about this before we started recording. Seattle won, Atlanta won. It was a disappointing game. I expected a bit more fireworks between these two teams with Martinez and Rui Diaz. And like Rui Diaz made it Great six goal. goals, I think, in seven games, headed home in the sixth minute. And after that, you thought, oh, well, Seattle's probably going to just up a gear, take over. No, it wasn't. It, it looked like, uh, I don't know how Atlanta allowed this, but it looked like Seattle just created a play to isolate him at the far post mm-hmm. yeah for him to win the header like it, I, I mean I, I wonder if teams will be able to scout that a little bit or you know Atlanta at least will be able to learn from that I guess they're not going to play Seattle again unless it's an MLS Cup final but yeah, I mean, yeah like- this could be the precursor to the an MLS yeah. Cup if Atlanta hit the stride I don't think so don't though think looking so. at some of the other teams it, in the east it, it was interesting that like even as the only player but definitely one of the top players on Seattle you wouldn't want isolated one-on-one yeah, got in the corner so, so much, but and the, but the thing is, is with him is like he's a short guy, and 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 but he gets up in the air. He like he he he's able to find balls whether it's in the air or on the ground, especially on set pieces. I think it was against Vancouver last year or somebody, maybe it was not Vancouver, where the ball was just sitting there and he was able to find it on a set piece in the in the box. And he, he he's fantastic, absolutely he, he brilliant. He has a nose for the net, basically. Yeah, Michael, Michael, is there is is it just because his name's Stefan? That this guy Cleveland started ahead of, uh, started ahead possibly. of possibly it just made it easier for the commentators. Yeah, that was my disappointment. In this I really thought Spencer Ritchie might get the nod, although Stephen Cleveland has been on the bench for, for the games. So he has like what, like six MLS appearances in his yeah. life. Yeah, like he, he's injury is not as bad as we thought last week. Right, by the least, it's not like Atanella who's out for the whole season now. Fry should be back. It isn't the ACL tear that they first thought, but he's going to be out for a while. But I mean, Cleveland did well. Atlanta, I thought, had the better of the second half, and they they got the equaliser two minutes from from time, four minutes from time, 
from the the spot. Martinez drilled home after Brad Smith gave away a penalty. Seattle will be kicking themselves though not yeah. to build in an early lead like that, but good at least for the rest of the West in some regards. But when they're playing an Eastern team, I'd have liked them to have lost. Yeah, it would have been. I mean, I hope Stefan gets a Stefan Spencer gets a look uh, while while Fry's out, but maybe maybe I'm not sure he's going to. But he's just happy to be in his hometown team. Now the the last game of the weekend was the last Western team in action. Nashville won. Austin nil. It wasn't a great game to to be totally honest. The the East finally prevailed over the West in this one, as last year's new boys beat this year's new boys and their their travelling roadshow that they've got going on just now. It was Randall Leal who broke the deadlock 10 minutes before half-time. John Cadiz hit the post for the home side six minutes later and there wasn't really much else to, to write home about until 73rd minute. Austin thought they'd tied it up. Jared Stroud fired it home. When you saw the replay, it's like he's miles offside. That's clear and obvious. Yes. <laughs> That's what I would classify But clear they were obvious. looking to see who the ball had come yes. off. But it was it was clear that it was the yeah. attacking player. That was the one interesting thing. I had the sound off because I was uh, multitasking. But so from that play, they were allowed to give a free kick. Well, they, 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 it, it was a foul in the build up. Okay. okay. So the referee played advantage to let the, the ball go through to Stroud. The foul was on that moment of the deflection. Oh, at that yes. moment in the deflection, yeah. So that's why he had to see then who it came off, and it turned out it came off the Austin player. Which, heartbreaking for, for Austin, really. But for Nashville, it meant, by the end of this one, 407 minutes without conceding a goal. Oh, what the Whitecaps would give for that. That's... Remember when we used to have a good defence? We were talking about our records and stuff way back in the day. Yeah, like, but at that point, they didn't have much of an attack, so they had to deal with it being like a good defence. But like Na- Nashville, they're not a sexy team, and they're much no. maligned. Yeah, because they play defensive, but it gets results. It's it not does. pretty to watch, but it's, it's moved them up now. I think they're fourth in the East. They are, aren't they undefeated? I thought yeah. they were undefeated. They're yeah. one of the three undefeated teams, along with Orlando and not Seattle. Many, only a couple of wins out of the games, but also yeah, across. two wins. I would think their coach is Scottish. He's English, right? He's English, yeah. yeah okay. So after all that weekend action in the West, Vancouver finish in tenth spot. But they're just two points out of the playoff places. And as we said, that Mark said, at the very least, he wanted them to be in touch. And they yeah. are in touch. How he in touch they'll it. be after next weekend's games, I guess, we'll we'll see. Seattle remain at the top. They're still unbeaten. They've got a four-point lead still. But instead of over the Galaxy this week, it's a four-point lead over KC, who've now moved into second. Little bit more separation between some of the teams. But there's just three points now between Portland and sixth. They've got nine points and Dallas at the bottom on six. So like any team that goes on a good or a bad run, a la Whitecaps in the latter case, you start to fall down the standings. But yeah. I think it just shows how important it's been getting those early points on the board as we talked about in the last part. But we've got to start getting some wins going. Yeah. And we can climb the table if we do, that's it. Just string a few results together and we'll start moving on up. Moving on up. Moving on up. That takes me back to my nightclub days of the early 90s. Anyway, let's look at the best of the rest in the East. And I didn't watch a lot in the Eastern games. I know you guys watched a bit more than me. But 
New England are still out in front in 14 points. They're too clear of second place Orlando, who won 1-0 at home over TFC, thanks to a good old Canadian boy, Tesho Akindele, 12th minute header. Lions, still unbeaten as we talked about. Yeah, they, they Akindele could have had more. He could have yeah. had up to three goals. Yeah, And then and then TFC were unlucky that uh, they had some, uh, Orlando had some great goalkeeping uh, to keep this game a draw. I, mean, well, I like their keeper. Yeah, Galaisi or something? Yeah, he's he's the guy, of course, got sent off in that infamous penalty yeah. shootout yeah. farce last year. Hey, like I messaged you guys, you know, Tr- Toronto FC is always trying to help out Canadian internationals. Yeah, actually, talking about that penalty farce, Martinez's penalty, if you watch the replay, Cleveland's about a yard or more off the line, so even if Martinez had missed it, it was getting retaken, he was way off his line because of the stutter step. Yeah. Spence would have saved it. I d- yeah, I don't know if Spencer would have jumped forward. But, yeah, TFC still not clicking. And we had a chat yesterday off air about this. Um, you do get the feeling that once a new guy settles in and starts linking up with Pozuelo, they're going to be on fire there. It's hard to, yeah, it's hard to judge them without Pozuelo, right? Like, yeah. in Vancouver, people are like, oh, if we could just get a number, <laughs> number 10, right? Well, in Toronto, it's like they have one of, if not the highest quality number 10 in the league, and it's once he's, you know, ready to play and ready to go, then you can probably, you know, give fair assessment of, of where they're at. But, um, yeah, and, and not just for him, but how, you know, like we said, how he's going to impact the, the players around him um, is, is usually uh, pretty significant for them. Well, here's hoping he doesn't make it back soon. <laughs> I, I met, we met, talked about this in the last part, and I meant to mention this, it just popped in just now, because... There's been a lot of chatter about what well, would be a, a 10 and false nine and a number eight. And then it was kind of hinted that the Whitecaps could do a, a trade within MLS. And you're hoping that trade might be for one of those guys. And instantly in my head, I'm thinking, ooh, Mark Anthony Kay. After we saw his salary, and I said, yeah, just double that and bring him here. Do you think he's been playing a very advanced role for for LAFC? Do you think he would fit in with the Caps? Could he be the guy, or would you prefer a more natural ten? Well, no, I I would definitely prefer. Like I would bring him in. Um, I would even put him as the uh, guy next to Kyle if need be. Like if they played uh, two uh, like a four four two, then Mark Anthony K and uh, Kyle are perfectly side by side. Um, players to play in that role. Because, yeah, like you said, uh, uh, MAK can get uh, play defensive and he can get forward, just like Kyle can. So they can play, play off each other a little bit. And as a number 10, I'm not 100%, but we haven't seen him in that position because mm. LAFC have so much talent up, up at the top that he doesn't need to be there all the time. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's to me, he's definitely not a 10, but I think if we're not attacking securing eight. that 10, yeah, yeah, that attacking eight, he kind of ticks the box for that for me. He does, he does. I mean, I, I just, it popped into me when I was watching the, the LAFC game yesterday. Just, he was so busy in and around the box and you're like, man, we just yeah. need someone like that. I think I think every club in MLS would want Mark Anthony Kay in their squad. Yeah. I think if he, in this moment, if he came to Vancouver in this moment, it would it, to me it would be somewhat similar to what happened in Toronto with when Julian de Guzman came right they, they got this midfielder that they paid a lot of money for they were paying or they were paying him a lot of money or whatever 
and there was so much expected of him beyond what his qualities are, beyond what his, you know, his primary function had always been. He'd always been a defensive midfielder and people were ragging on him for not scoring more goals and setting up more goals. And I would fear the same thing for a Mark Anthony K mm. if he came to Vancouver in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. With, with who he's got around him. But see, as well, it could be a, a tough sell to him, but I would just pitch it to him, apart from the salary aspect, I would pitch to him and say, look, we will build this team around you. You will be a guy that will be here until you either move on to Europe, which he's talked about he, he would still like to do, or just he, he brings success to us here. I mean, he, he's the kind of guy I think he could do that. And he's a domestic, which solves our issue with international sports. Yeah, but it does, I mean, two things. One, it doesn't help the problem of what happens when Canada's playing. Two, yeah. two um, yeah, I think, I think for him personally, his next move has to be beyond the beyond the MLS. North America. Yeah, I mean, he, he talked about that preseason. That's what he he'd like to do. So yeah, he's not getting. It was when I took over Whitecaps in FIFA 21 or whatever it was. I, that was my first move to get Mark Anthony K on the team. I, I often uh, not not in this current iteration, but Kirk and I often bring him to Byron as to be a squad player who contributes in the midfield. I should bring him into East Fife. See how he does there. Oh, well, <laughs> can, can I don't he think handle? A I don't think East Fife is a FIFA. Yeah, I don't think East Fife is FIFA 21 though. They didn't make the cut. No, I'm thinking more football manager. Okay. Let's get back to talking about the East, but another Canadian team, Montreal. Oh no. Yeah, two one oh, loss Dieu. to Cincinnati. <laughs> Sacre bleu. <laughs> It was, it was, man. Awful. How can you lose to that Cincinnati team? Because yeah. they looked dreadful. They are yeah, dreadful. The, the Camacho I, testimonial continues. <laughs> I, I didn't, um, I didn't. <laughs> the first goal was his fault. The first goal that Cincinnati scored was 100% his fault. If you little well, it was ping pong in the box. and then, Yeah, but he, yeah. he didn't, but no, but he had the initial chance to clear it and he didn't even come close to clearing it. Well, let's get up to that. Like, Jordi Mihailovic put Montreal ahead 56th minute and then Jurgen Lucaria tied it up after ping pong in the box and then just had a free header from about two yards out into the back of the net Cincinnati up to that point were not in the races and when it's 1-0 to Montreal they should have been home and dry after that oh okay well the big thing so I didn't get to watch this game I was busy the morning after the PBR so I only watched the highlights and man Oh, man. Everyone was talking week one. Wondolowski, miss of the year. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, this, this is the miss yeah. of the year. Yeah. I mean, Kyoto had a chance before this, and then he had that beautiful pass, open net, and he side-foots it wide. That was atrocious. That I mean, Camacho, yeah, okay, giving up the goal, it's blaming on him. It's easy to blame him. But Kyoto will, yeah, I, I don't think he slept last night. No. I Again, I said this last week, I can't wait to hear what the ball is round. Our friends there make of this because now they must just be pulling the hair out. It's, I mean, I, they, I watched had, the game and I thought just how yeah. poor Cincinnati were. Apparently this game was on TTV, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. I it, heard about it afterwards. It, it was on TSN. Yeah, it was oh, okay. A, no, but I saw it on CTV as well. I oh, on oh. Yeah. yeah. It was one of the national broadcasts. Oh. But, yeah, I mean, 1-1, one, one, I still thought Montreal would at least get something from it, but I thought they'd probably go on and, and win it. But no, four so minutes from time, Gustavio Vasilia, he'd great header, 
but he got away from Hurtado. Dangerous free kick. Was it Hurtado? I meant to go yeah. back and look to see who it no, was. I, I, he got I, a complete I, goal what, side of him. That was That's what the commentators mentioned. That it oh, was man, that was terrible, Mark. And it was a great finish and a great delivery, but to just let him get away from you like that was terrible i thought it I, I thought it was camacho at first because they have this like a not a similar build but they have this like a stocky build both of them so i thought it was camacho but then they mentioned it was Hurtado. Uh, camacho kyoto and Hurtado, not a great day no oh anyone that ends in O. that was cincinnati's first win of the season unsurprisingly because they've been crap are they putting things together? Because they came back against Miami last week, but then ended up losing. But it didn't. It wasn't enough to take them off the bottom of the standings because Chicago got a one 0 win over Miami, so they're both still at the bottom in four points. Oh my God! The goal that Chicago scored. I didn't see this. So tell this, me about it. Uh, this was a howler. It was. It took oh yeah, Mar- yeah. It took Marco. So oh, now I'm going to watch this as you tell oh, you me. You have then. to see it. It took it took Marco Carducci's uh, play as. Uh, like he took him up basically off the hook as having the worst uh miss like a, a goalie moment this week this year or yeah, this he week like, he like dove for it and like dropped it like dropped it behind him into the net right See? yeah i think i thought he went off his face a little bit but i wasn't 100 or went off his hands and then flicked it it just bobbled into the net he yeah. went the wrong way or something i don't know how he missed it how know. did marco cartucci get involved oh, in this damn it max cripple <laughs> week after week man <laughs> Have you got yeah. a poster of like <laughs> No because they go up on your wall or something? Because the MC part of it. Maybe that's what uh, <laughs> because they both Max Cripple and Marco Carducci, they both yeah, it, MCs, it, right? It's the biggest keeping howler of the season. Yeah, hundred percent. I thought the bad one was the week before where it went off the guy's face, like it skidded and went off the face, but I think this one was worse. This I'm, is I'm, I'm I, just I'm digging this out. I, I think um one thing from this game. It was a it was a black versus white game in, in terms of uniforms. Chicago was a home team and yet chose to wear their their secondary white kit. Now, I know the Chicago rebrand logo stuff is awful, but I didn't actually mind the kit so much. Like when yeah. the logo is just black and white, and stuff, yeah. it looked a lot nicer than the than the. Oh, talking uh, about kits, you know how last week I had an issue with what team was playing when I was watching the getting confused. I yeah. got the same thing with Colorado this week. Because they were wearing white and green. I was green. Going to, yeah. yeah. They were playing well, the Portland playing the LAFC. What the hell is going on here? I threw them down a couple of times. Well, since we're talking as well about rebrands, Columbus are still going to be called the crew, but they're yeah. keeping that awful new crest that they've got with it. That C reminds me of a cartoon series, and I can't for the life of me think what it is. So if anyone can tell me and put me out my misery, please do. But yeah. Speaking of Columbus, though, but they, the, saved, talk, they saved the name. Yeah, they saved the name. We didn't talk yeah. about that. That's that's pretty huge. Yeah, like that's massive. Like, like, uh, 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 pardon me if you will, but like, it is a, it is it is one of the few times I can think of an MLS, uh, Seattle trying to do a corporate tifo being another one, where an MLS club took action that they thought would make them more money. Their uh, supporters, their season ticket holders, the people who are their club, said, no, you cannot do this. And the club held up their hand and said, we got it wrong. We're going to we're gonna yeah. amend this. And, um, I don't Which know. was good because of how the fans helped save the team to begin totally. with. Yeah, totally. But to me, it's like, 
if the Whitecaps want to look at and learn things from other other MLS clubs, this is one of the things they could learn. It, it, it was good for them too because they they didn't have to uh, make a new tifo. They just took out the old one and just said save the crew. Yeah. Anything else from the East you want to talk well, about? Well, well, talking about Columbus, like I said, that game was um, like Columbus had no business winning that game. They beat a New York City FC. New York City FC had so many chances. And then, uh, what's his, how do you pronounce his name? Zarian? Oh, the free kick, right? Zarian, yeah. Mm -hmm. Two free kicks. First one was a laser with like 10 minutes left um, in the in 90. And then he's, he, he scored a curve uh, uh, free kick, like a beautiful curve free kick um, at the death, basically. In like the 90, yeah, yeah. a minute. But they, he, had, he scored two free kicks. The first one was a free kick, too. It was a laser from the right side, and then the curve did in on the left side for the second one. It was amazing. I, I definitely recommend watching those highlights. Zellerayan. Yeah. Zellerayan, yeah, yeah. The winning one was like one of those Michael. It's like just just at just at the top of the box and like in the corner. The wall. Just over yeah, yeah. the corner. And the first one was just a laser where um uh who was the goalkeeper? I can't read. Sean Johnson? No, somebody else. Is it Sean Johnson yeah. for New York yeah. City? Yeah. He was just he couldn't move. It was so fast coming in. It was a fantastic first goal. And then the other game uh, that I saw, or the highlights I saw, was New England and New York uh, Red Bulls, and that was a fantastic goal. But um, the Red Bulls got an early goal, Nimitz in on a set piece, and then um, Gustavo Ball was sent in all alone to score. But then, just before the half, it was kind of an even game. Uh, just before the half, uh, I think it was Reyes, uh, the Red Bull defender, got uh, like a stomp. He got a second yellow card. Uh, with uh, just before the half, so it was they were down to 10 men, and then Buchanan, fantastic goal, it was really a change of pace type goal where he stopped and then went. It was it's very similar to what Alfonso Davies kind of does, um, yeah. when he makes it in the box and everything like that. And it was from the left side, like he usually plays, yeah. I think they were swapped or something like that during the game. The the the, the dead bull de red card was like one of those, it, it was a second yellow, it I wasn't know. even a red, it was so. It like could have been. A, it could have been a direct red for sure. Yeah, the guy just came in and stopped and was just like, yeah. "What are you doing?" Yeah. Well, I've just watched the Chicago Howler, and yet that was a Howler. I've just watched Zilla Ryan's two free kicks. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely those, stunning the, stuff. The, both of those could be for goal of the week. So yeah, uh, I'm just watching Buchanan's goal ju just now, and I like what MLS kind of have this little kind of highlighted. Enhanced highlight thing. That's a nice finish yeah. from Buchanan. Yeah, he's a yeah. guy as well. You talk about Mark Anthony Kay's next move to Europe. You've got to feel Buchanan is as well if he keeps this up. Zeller, I, I think. Go ahead, Zellerian. We were talking about when the salary thing came out. I think he's just under two million, mm -hmm. right? He's a true designated player. He put, makes more than one point five, makes about two million dollars, and look like and hits free kicks like that. <laughs> yeah, that's the quality of, of player that that a Columbus has. Yeah. Last little thing, just to quickly mention, and then we'll be finished in this part, is I want to talk about an announcement that was made on Sunday. I don't know if you guys yeah. saw it. I, I saw it, yeah. Sum is now no longer going to be controlling the U.S. national team rights. So like they're, they're only going to have gonna, the MLS rights. No, they're not going to be marketing yeah, mar for them. Yeah, yeah not going to be marketing for the U.S. men's or women's national team. Because there's been a lot of uproar about how some are oh, doing it and a lot of the well most of the mls teams don't have a women's team but they're basically cashing in in the success 
of yeah. the, the US women's well, national team and then and, lining the pockets of the MLS owners as a result. And a lot of it um, had to do with, uh, the, well, that, and they also feel it's a conflict of interest that the MLS, I agree. MLS marketing side is uh, is helping out USSF and their USSF is supposed to be actually uh, regulating uh, mm-hmm. MLS. So it's kind of a conflict. One thing I didn't realize, I saw it in the article the ESPN from ESPN, um, the only uh, uh, happened because uh, nobody, none of the national networks were buying rights to the 2006 and 2010 World Cup. And that's the reason why oh. um, some got involved with uh, uh, the USSF because of that. So sorry, I haven't read anything yet. This is, it's still, I guess this happened earlier today, but. Yeah, yeah. it was just announced was, this morning. It's going to be from no, 2023. Was, I, I saw the article from an afternoon, so I think it was even later than. Oh. Okay. Maybe early but, afternoon or something. Maybe I'm wrong. So, but okay, so do does some get compensated for for losing these rights? Like no, they, no, no, no. It's no because the contract was up anyways. Oh, okay, the contract was already going to be up, so they basically. Uh, oh, just, the USSF. They're not renewing anything. The USSF allowed them to have these rights. Well, I think the, what I, I think, think what it so? is is, I think the USSF needed their assistance in securing. Um, um, rights for the the national teams like uh, selling sponsorships and stuff like that i think so now the ussf is going to create their own marketing brand themselves like they'll be hiring new people uh to get these things on their own so the ussf hired some to do this because i knew i knew like we were talking about you know all the money that some makes the ridiculous amounts of money that they make that doesn't go on the mls book mls's mm-hmm. books that the, like yeah, the TV contract, right? Like it was helped by the fact that they had both the men's and women's rights, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Also from, so I wonder how much that's going to impact things after 2023 or when the next CBA comes around or whatever. Well, I mean, all the American journalists are saying that this is big, big news in American soccer. So I guess we'll see how it plays out. And it's bad for MLS, right? Like it's, yeah, it's definitely bad for the owners who are yeah. going to take a, a hit. Heart bleeds for the, for those millionaires and billionaires. But anyway, that is it for our MLS chat for this week. I I really enjoy doing the, this section, just kind of round things up. It kind of helps me feel a little bit more connected to the league. So hopefully it does for you guys as well. But we've still got more to come. And we're going to be back with our feature interview with this episode, which is chatting to Pacific FC and new Philippines player, Matthew Baldissimo. And we're going to be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Alfonso Davies, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. We'll do the tango, we'll try the foxtrot, I'll eat a mango, you drink a straight scotch. You know I told you, you could be classy Oh, why did you have to be so naughty with the pearls Of the Deutsche girls Cat 49 Way down on the line I'll fill your bath with the finest champagne I'll lick your skin dry I cherish your name
Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, another one from our Artist of the Month for me, Adam and the Ants, the second song that features on the Jubilee soundtrack. That was, especially for Zach, Deutscher Girls. Because this lets Zach talk about Deutschland, 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 Bayern, Uber Alice. They won what I thought was 41-0 from the, the messages that you were sending through, but I, I I soon found out that it was Lewandowski got his 41st goal of the season. He beat Gert Müller's record that you were talking about in last week's show. You were a happy lad today. Yeah, it was it was a fun day. Uh, it was one of those days where I actually had... You talk about having half an eye on the game earlier. I had... One eye on the relegation battle. I had two games going on on iPads uh, with, with those games, uh, and I was watching those quite intently because there were there was quite some drama down at the bottom of the table. Uh, to oh, wrap. and also for the new UEFA Conference League or National League or whatever they're calling it, there was yes, there was some European play stuff involved, which was less exciting to me personally at this moment. The the onions from Berlin. Yes, yeah, I'm happy for them, uh, Max Kruse. I think scored again today, and they, they, you know, they will celebrate finishing ahead of of Hertha Berlin. <laughs> um, but no, I mean for Bayern, uh, it was a it, it it's a it's an interesting time. It's it's a there's a lot to be excited about and lots of encouraging things, but there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that at least have a, a, a significant level of concern about. So, yes, they won today. But again, they won. scoring goals is not a problem. Five goals, whatever. But today could have all been a double celebration, not just the record goal scoring, but Oliver or um, Manuel Neuer could have uh, could also had a record for clean sheets as well. And so this year has been awful for goals against for Byron. And um, Which is why they're letting the coach go after such a disappointing season. No, it's not why they're letting the coach go. The coach <laughs> is going. Very disappointing season. The, the coach yeah. is going because he's taking over the national team after the Euros. And that's what he, he wants to do. Plus, he's going another. So, he, he that's, I mean, that is a concern. Is Julian Nagelsmann is going to come in, who's a Bavarian, who loves Bayern, but who, you know, after doing really well at, at Hoffenheim, a club I can't stand, um, uh, doing really well with them and totally punching above his weight with them hasn't done super great with a club I like even less dead bull dead bull so once they you know once they wash that they power hose that you know dead bull scent off of him um, it's going to be interesting to see what he does but one of the things he's going to have to navigate is the relationship with Hassan Salihamidzic who's re- essentially responsible like the GM right he's essentially responsible for bringing in the players which is where some of the frustration for Hansi Flick was right he him and Hassan Salihamidzic did not have a great uh, relationship. I mean, he even said publicly, like, look, you don't have to, like, you don't have to hang out with all the people you work with. You don't have to have, be tight with all of them. Right? You just need to be able to to work together. And that, those are his public statements, right? So, and, and Sully Amidjic has done some nice things like bring in Alfonso Davies for 10 million euros. Well, but yeah. There's been I, a lot of misses as well. Let's though. be honest. All anyone really cares about when we're talking about Bayern is Alfonso Davies. Right. You see how fast he ran today to yeah, close almost, that thing down. Almost 36 uh, kilometers an hour. That but, was very impressive. Yes. And yeah, I mean, so, but but th- these boardroom things are really big. Uh, uh, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge is done. 
and Oliver Kahn is taking his spot. That will be interesting. Uh, I'm excited about the potential for that, but because Khan is like a you know no nonsense kind of guy, like it's a serious dude. Um, but it, I think there's exciting times ahead for them. But but the biggest thing is one of the biggest things about today was it was the end of the line at Bayern for a number of people. Hansi Flick as a coach, yes. Miroslav Klose as an assistant coach. Herman Gerling, the Tiger, as an assistant coach who's been with the club for 25 years. Um, those guys are all gone. On the field, Thiago Dantas is leaving after a year. Doug, Douglas Costa is leaving after his second stint. Those are not big deals. But Jerome Boateng after 10 years, Javi Martinez after nine years, and David Alaba after 13 years, those are all massive uh, players who I don't – I mean, they're bringing Upa Meccano from Dead Bull, and there's some replacements, but I don't think the picture is fully written, and a lot needs to, I think, happen. And some of the word on the street is that they're maybe not intending to make a lot of big moves this offseason, but maybe that'll change after Nagelsmann uh, takes the post. In terms of Davies, uh, he played well, to, well today, although he was at fault for the giveaway on the, that led to the first goal. And also exciting today was the first donning of the new uh, secondary kit, which is a very sharp black kit, which on the neck and on the back of the neck, the neck of the, the jersey and on the front of the socks, Features the Munchener Kindle, which is like the little symbol of the city, the like the Munich angel kind All of thing. Right. Which is really, really it's a it's a really beautiful Is it beautiful. made from recycled bottles? Um well they've done those kits before. This one in particular is not because when they do those runs of those kits, those are like limited edition because I think those are hard to make or or whatever. But uh, question all these people leaving Bayern, are any of them going to Argentina? <laughs> you can cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I'll leave that in. We'll see. We'll, we'll, it's going we'll to tie in with the song I've played. We'll have to watch the history channel. <laughs> but um, so but no, uh, from from what I'm hearing is there's concern that Bayern might only win the title by a single digit margin next year. No, I mean no. I mean next year. Next year. Here's the thing: Borussia Dortmund's roster. When I look at their roster, they are significantly punching below their weight, and they have a new coach coming in next year as well, which could help raise them. Um, and so I, I think the bigger concern in the title is what's going to happen at Dead Bull. They have spent some of the money that they've, that they've, that they've gained for selling people like Uwe Meccano. And what have they done with the Alfonso Davies money, Zach? Um, oh, no, sorry, different team. Yeah, different team. But no, I, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, next year. And I think, yeah, for, for Bayern supporters, it, it, some of the questions are usually more like how many trophies they'll win as opposed to, you know. Yeah, um, how many did you win this year? Or this uh, season? Only one, unfortunately. It was a really <sighs> sad year. One on the pitch. We got some off-the-pitch stuff. Well, yeah. that, that's, and that's why they fired the coach. Yeah, I, I totally coach. get that. He asked to leave, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, he was fired, Steve. Yep, definitely, because of lack of success. But we want to kind of be a little bit international in this final part of the show. So, I mean, Zach's talked there about only winning one trophy this season. Terrible. What about St. Johnston? Double cup winners in Scotland. The League Cup and the Scottish Cup was won on Saturday against Hibs. Canada's David Wotherspoon, named Man of the Match. Hopefully he will continue that good form out with Canada in the upcoming World Cup qualifiers. But I want to wish all the best to, to Spoonie and his St. Johnston team. It's great to see one of the provincial sides kind of winning trophies and not the old firm. So I'll always enjoy seeing that. But his team's played wonderful. Yeah, the international games are coming up. 
And you mentioned the Euros there. Are, are you excited for the Euros or are you not caring about them? Obviously, I'm excited because Scotland's actually taking part in a competition again for the first time since 1998. German, and we're hosting games. The Germany squad is not really good. So uh, it's going to be weird to see what happens. Johnny Russell did not make the Scotland squad. He's not, he's not fully fit, is he? He's not, no. Yeah, that's not surprising. But uh, yeah, so, from a, a German perspective, it, it's uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, anything past getting out of the group stage will probably be nice. But I hope for Yogi Lowe, Yogi Lo, if he does have a nice send off and they do they do well. Yeah, I think it'll be exciting. I, I like I'm, I haven't followed, been following it too much, so um, I have no idea. I don't know if we want to do that, uh, like a little bit of a like a pool or something. For the, I was the thinking about that album. today. Yeah, uh, but but it, that should make it a little bit more exciting because it's something on the line. Um, but is there uh, since you, players or we choose teams, teams. Uh, we choose teams. Um, but since you guys have been talking about uh, Scotland and Germany. I should mention that East Bengal uh, Football Club is in a financial crisis right now, and they might no. lose their spot in the uh, Indian Super League. Um, it's, it's horrific. It's like it's only been eight months after the eight months after they came into the agreement with Sri Cement, and uh, there apparently been some uh, discord arising, and, and it, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. So we're we're crossing our fingers that it doesn't happen because they're one of the top clubs in is India. There, is there a GoFundMe we can... like? I have no idea. I just made that up. I just looked it up right now because you guys were talking about oh. Germany. So. I, I, I'll donate a couple of tigers. <laughs> is that is that like a... Are they part of the uh, Manchester United uh, footballing group? No, I don't know. Not them. Because then they would have no issues. There is actually a Scottish coach for Real Kashmir and they've been very successful there's a, a very interesting two part BBC documentary on that but if you're interested I'll send you guys I prefer Real Kashmir to the fake stuff yeah definitely there is uh, one thing I, I would uh, mention um, that there if you find it on YouTube there is a fantastic documentary about like one of the oldest rivalries in, uh, in football which is in India it uh, uh, comes from all the way out in colonial times, like in the 20s. Uh, so it's a long-standing rivalry, and it's been very vicious over the years. So uh, I would, I would, I'll, I'll send you guys a link and, and tweet it out, maybe, and so other people can see it too. But it, but uh, it just reminded me when I saw this news about that rivalry. Well, let's continue our travels around the world now, and let's turn our attention to the Asian qualifiers, because I know that's what everyone's really interested in that's coming up for the World Cup. Let's talk about the Philippines, because they're in a battle for a place in the next qualification round in the World Cup qualifiers. And they're also, if they can finish second in their group, they will advance into the 2023 Asian Cup as well. So that's going to be exciting. And you might be like, why is he talking about that? Well, as I mentioned in last week's show, Matthew Baldissimo has been called into the Philippine squad for these qualifiers. They've got a couple of friendlies coming up in Qatar. Then they're going to go to China to take on China and two of the other teams. I think Maldives is one of them. I got a chance to to speak to Baldy this week before he flew off to get into quarantine and get ready for these, these qualifiers. Just to, to chat to him about what it's been like to to get called up to the Philippines national team and also to chat about his time with Pacific FC and the CPL so far. So let's hear now from another one of the Baldy brothers, Matthew. 
So I, I guess first thing to to ask you, Matthew, how excited are you for the, this opportunity now that, that you've got going away with the, the Philippines national team? Well, I'm super excited, obviously, just because I'm playing with men and like players who are like established pros in that sense. And also, it's like a whole new game over there. It's going to be like a, a different playing style, everything, just because it's a whole different part of the world, right? And they're coming from different, different clubs and everything. To us kind of looking in, this kind of came as a, a bit of a shock, just kind of out of nowhere. But then I, I read the chat you had on the Pacific website. So it mentioned you, you'd kind of been on the radar for a while. When, when did you first learn that they were interested in, in having you come to play for them? Well, I think it was about like a, a year ago, like right before the Ivan Games. Uh, one of these uh, one of these guys came into contact with me asking about my Filipino like citizenship and everything and seeing if I had my Filipino passport. And then once I was in the process of like actually getting it, the coach reached out and was starting to ask questions about like me and my brother to see if we were interested in playing with them. And at first it, it seemed like he was like talking about the U23s just to like, so we wouldn't lose our eligibility. Right. And then once this, like the COVID happened and everything, and once this camp came around, I kind of like made up my mind already in that sense, thinking like, oh, when, when the next camp comes, I'm going to go. Yeah, because... The, the last couple of years, you've not been involved with Canada. I know you've been involved in the past at, at youth level. So w- was it quite an easy decision to make in the end? Yeah, because obviously I see like what kind of players are coming through the Canadian system and which players are like looking at them. I kind of got the sense that they weren't really looking at me. Yeah. Because I know I'm not, I'm not looked at as a younger player anymore. I'm not even... I was just eligible to make the, the Olympic team, right, which is U23. And... They had a lot of younger players there that I thought had a lot more, they would see as a lot more potential than I had. Like guys like playing uh, in like MLS right now and getting chances like that. Yeah. But I thought I was, they were, I wasn't really under their radar. From a family point of view, I, I take it that your, your parents and your family are very excited that, that you're going to go and represent their homeland. Yeah, they're super excited just because like that's their, that's their country and like that, they were born there and everything. Like they have, they have their connection to it. And they're tra- they're sort of giving me this extra bit of pressure just to like just to perform. Just because they're saying, "Oh, you're playing for my country now. Like you're gonna have that <laughs> extra bit of pride, and you were born, you were raised in this culture, and everything." So it comes with that little a- added pressure, but it's all right. Like I accept it with two hands, just because I feel like I feel like I've I've been always connected to that culture in that in a sense where, yeah. like, even though I haven't like spoken the language, you know, I haven't been there. My parents raised me in like a traditional like Filipino way, and I know like the general idea of how their how like their culture is over there. So, with not speaking the language, how how do you think it's going to be in the camp? Do, like, do you know any of the the players that are on the national team? Or I would imagine that a lot of folk in the Philippines do speak English. Yeah, I've spoken with uh, actually one of the players that that's been to a camp before, and he told me. All of the players speak English just yeah. because a lot of them aren't really full Filipino. Like, they're yeah. raised in another part of the world, so, it, like, English is, like, their universal language. Yeah, because I guess that's what a lot of countries are doing at the moment, because you're seeing it in CONCACAF as well, with the likes of Suriname. They're getting all these players and counting on the heritage. Scotland do it as well. We've got 
guys that some of them have never lived in Scotland and they're, they're playing for, for Scotland now. So the Philippines national team had a look uh, at where everything lies in the, the group. So it seems that it's very delicately balanced just now. You've got three games coming up. You're playing China, Guam and the Maldives. So the big one seems to be this China game. So, have you had a chance to watch much of the the national team play? Have you did you get a chance to kind of get any of the old videos to kind of see what their playing style is? Honestly, no, I haven't really like seen what kind of playing style they have. When I was a kid, I used to watch their games with my parents, but I didn't really pay much attention to it. Right. But honestly, I know it's going to be a, a young team coming in here, and our our sole focus is just qualifying. So I know we're, they're going to come in with hunger and. A desire to get the to qualify for these uh, for the World Cup and the Asian qual and, and the Asian Cup. Yeah, because the the top two in the group go through to the next round of World Cup qualifying and then the twenty twenty three Asian Cup. So right now, Philippines are delicately poised. They're in third place, level one points with China. So I mean, all all to certainly play for. I know China's got a. a a game in hand so it's an 11 day camp in Qatar to start with in, in Doha which is a place my, my dad actually worked for for years and he said it's a lovely place have you ever been anywhere like that before? I've never been to that part of the world no but my parents told me there's a lot of Filipinos working there yeah so, so I'm, I'm excited to see like what, what, what the different culture is and everything over there is and then off to, to China for for the three games. I mean, if nothing else, it's just going to be an absolutely fantastic experience. That you'll just want to soak it all in, I imagine. Yeah, it's going to be a, like a huge experience. I don't, I don't think any of the players on my team have experienced anything like, like this. Yeah. At this stage, other than maybe like the veteran players. So hopefully I can just take in all I can and bring back what experience that I get on this and share with my teammates. Now, have you spoken to to Pa a lot about this? Because obviously, Pa's played in so many places around the world, and he he's lots of experience. What's his kind of advice been to you? Just take this opportunity. Just take this opportunity. He told me because he says this is like it doesn't come around very often to go play for the men's national team of your of your parents' country and of of your country. Yeah. And so he's like, this is a big opportunity. Just take it with both hands, enjoy it, make sure the number one thing is to have fun and play your game. And I think it's like hit the nail on the head just because I don't want to go in there thinking, oh, if I do this, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. No, I just got to go in there and just play my game and then hope for the best, right? Yeah, because I, I guess from, from what I, I kind of looked into and read about, if, if you make five caps or five appearances for the Philippines, you then qualify as a domestic player for playing in, in various Asian leagues. So I guess this also opens up a, a whole world of possibilities for your future career as well. Yeah, it does. Just because I know the like the 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 wages and everything in the different leagues in Asia, they pay a lot they pay a lot better than they do in the CPL. Oh yeah. So hopefully so hopefully those doors open up and I can take those opportunities. Well, I mean, if nothing else, it certainly is, is going to put you on the radar of, uh, of a, a lot more clubs as well around the world. Just to talk a little bit just about Pacific now. So you're about to go into your third season at, at Pacific. How have you enjoyed life in the CPL so far? I know last year 
was not what anyone would really have wanted, but the team seemed to certainly be better performers the, than they had been in, in the first year. How, how have you found your first two years in the league? I felt the first year and the second year were complete different sides of the same coin. It's just the first year I felt like we were just a bit immature. The league was new. Yeah. Like like a bunch of a whole different bunch of players were coming in and we haven't really played with each other much in the second year. We kind of kept the same core guys together. But added that, like, added Pa and everyone and the whole new environment and the different mindset. The whole club changed, in my opinion, when Pa came in. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there was, we were just looking at a whole different, like, environment and, like, culture in, in Pacific. So it was it was, it was was nice to see the second year. And with COVID happening, everything, honestly, it was like a, bless, a blessing in disguise just because we got so much of that time to get to know each other and, like, train and all that extra time just to, like, like sharpen our, our our different parts of the game to help us like gel together as a team. I mean, last season the the, the team did did so well at the Island Games. You were playing some fantastic football, but to have such a, a short season, I mean, these are like key years for guys like yourself, development wise. I mean, did did you think about maybe going out and loan somewhere? Did the club talk to you about anything like that? Not really. Our, our sole focus was just that, that PEI tournament and seeing how far we could get into that tournament. But honestly, I wasn't really looking at other like much other possibilities. And this season, there was the announcement last week that they're still looking at the 28-game season. Initially, though, it looks like you're all going to be heading to, to somewhere where we don't know yet to, to play a, a few games. You must just be kind of just dying to get back on the pitch right now. I think everyone in the league feels like the same. They're a little bit frustrated that uh, the league hasn't been that transparent with us. Yeah. And what their plan is to get like, get things going, especially since it's their second time, like in this pandemic, sort of, so sort to of speak, and that they should have been a little bit more prepared. But you know, we're just we're just taking it day by day and like getting ourselves ready for the twenty eight game season that they're they're promising us. Yeah, because speaking to a, a few of the guys, that does seem to be the big thing. There hasn't been a, a lot of communication. Some of the guys are finding out stuff that that we find out as well, which I, I know isn't ideal. But, I mean, Pa's put together a, a good squad. But what are you hoping for for the team this year? Our sole focus for us from the very start this year has been the championship. I think we've put together a really good group of guys who we gelled together really, really quick. And I think the whole mindset going into training every day coming in is championship. This is a championship year. And, and I think if if we don't achieve that, it'll be a huge disappointment on us. And it's all down to us just to see if we can we can take this opportunity that we have. And this is the third year that a lot of you guys are going to have played together as well. And a lot of you know each other from back in the Whitecaps days. I know like with Marco coming in last year as well. It's all guys that that you've known we've talked before that it was maybe going to take a couple of years for this team to really hit its stride you kind of saw it last year at the island games and it, it does feel that this is the the year that this team is going to make a big leap yeah i think i think last year we were a little unfortunate that we only got 10 games to really hit stride as a team because i felt like by the end of the the tournament we were really getting into form and really finding out what our different tendencies are within the team. So I think this year now, especially with this extra little training, because this league hasn't started yet, we'll have that extra bit more time just to get to know each other and 
like sharpen our sharpen our game as a team. How have you found living on the the island? I mean, Victoria is a, it's a beautiful part of the world. I know it's not a cheap part of the world to live, so I imagine that you're you're sharing with a few of the other guys. But how have you found island life so far? Oh, honestly, it's been it's been amazing. You know, just because every every year I come back, there's just a, like a new a new set of buildings, like different sites to see. It's always changing, and I think that's the that's the best part about the island. You always you always find things that you've never seen before and it's everything is always so beautiful like there's always different views you can see always different things you can do and the people are really nice who are your roommates on the team these days uh mateo just moved in with me and alessandro actually so it was me and alessandro and then our, our landlord's renovated so mateo moved in just recently oh cool like from what i know of mateo from his time at, at tss that should be a lot of fun for you Oh yeah, because uh, we also spent time with the, on the provincial team together, and we were really, really good friends. And it was unfortunate that he didn't get to spend uh, enough time with us, like when we were in the residency and everything. But yeah. we've always stayed like close and like connected and stuff like that. So when he moved in, it was almost like a seamless. It was like it was like a seamless moving. I mean, it, it's been great, like watching you and and Michael come through, and Mark before that uh, as well. It's like it's such a such a great story for local soccer for for. Canadian soccer. I, I remember seeing you guys years ago. I was at a, I think it was actually a provincial cup game. I was at up at Burnaby Lake, and the three of you were just like kicking a ball about and were in the training fields and just talk about like growing up in that atmosphere. Your families pushing each other. What that's been like for you? Well, for us growing up, it was always like Mark pushing me and Michael to be the best players we could, and he always instilled in our minds of wanting to be a pro, doing the right things to be a professional footballer. So it was kind of like a competition between all three of us, just to who can get there first. And then once me and Mike got our contracts, it was more like who could be a better professional, who could do this, <laughs> who can get to the highest level possible. So it's, it's like friendly competition and everything, but it was always uh, a supportive environment. We always looked out for each other, always made sure we were always like, well, why are you doing that? Stay on track, like keeping each other honest in that sense. I guess the the highlight now is going to be, well, maybe even at international level, we, we could have Canada against the Philippines, but if Pacific play the Whitecaps in the Canadian Championship, the the battle of the Baldissimo brothers, that must be something that the pair of you have talked about. Yeah, of course. We never played against each other in a, in a real, like, meaningful game like that. So to play against each other like that, like, we've had a lot of, like, closed door battles like behind closed door <laughs> battles when we were younger and you guys never got to see like me and Mike basically kicking the shot of each other right <laughs> I can imagine <laughs> yeah so to show you guys on the, on, a, on a stage like that playing in the Canadian Championship that would be unreal because it would mean that much more and you guys would I, I feel like you guys would be really entertained yeah I think that'll be fantastic well all the very best thank you for your time I know you're super busy getting packed and everything today safe travels enjoy the experience and i can't wait to get back over to the island to see you actually playing for pacific again soon yeah i can't wait to play in front of you thank you michael for the call i really appreciate it that's great cheers and good luck and yeah just make the, the most of this it's going to be a great time Matthew Baldissimo there, talking about his time with Pacific FC and getting called into the, the Philippines national team. It's going to be a great experience for, for Baldi guys, especially the fact that he doesn't actually 
speak the language. He's never been to the Philippines, but he's very proud to represent the country. Thankfully, most of them do speak English, so that that should be good there. But it's like the experience that that he's going to have by being away from this, it's going to help him develop as a player. It should be great when when they come back to to play in the CPL. And as, as we touched on in the interview there, if he makes five appearances for the Philippines, he would qualify as a domestic player in the Asian leagues. So that then opens up a whole wealth, in many ways, of possibilities for him. So I'm very, very pleased for for Matthew. Yeah. And like, like Matthew, very honest there, Zach, saying he, he knows he's not in the plans for Canada. If he was, he would have been involved in the Olympic qualifiers. So he, he said that there's better players at the position that I play at. So this is my chance to play international football. And I, I like that. Yeah, excited for him. Because, yeah, as a footballer, you want to play at the highest level you can. And, um, I mean, well, I guess people have different approaches to stuff. But, yeah, I I know this is a this is a part of who he is and, his, and who his family is. And so the, representing the Philippines would be, I think, a real an honor for him. And so that's exciting. And uh, to me, if, if down the road, uh, if this didn't work out and down the road he did represent Canada, like, I wouldn't hold that against somebody. Oh, yeah. I remember, I remember there was some dialogue years back, you know, over, you know, Bustos hanging out with Chile and yeah. people really excited about those kinds of things. And it's like, I mean, no, I, I think this is a, a great opportunity for him, like Steve said, and I hope he takes it. And I hope he, like you said, gets those five caps so that that opens even more possibilities for him in terms of ease of movement in his footballing journey. Well, as he said there, there's a lot more money in the Asian leagues than there is in the CPL, which would not be hard and like just to, to finish, just quick talking about the CPL, Matthew's saying there it's just been disappointing the the lack of communication between the league and the players as to when things are starting, where they're going to be, everything like that. So I mean, hopefully, they, they start to get better communication soon. I mean, don't when there's a when the time's right, they'll they'll recognize the union and it all. They'll get, tell the players when they're playing. They'll tell the players before they tell the press. Yeah, I, there, that's, there's some awkward stuff there for sure. Yeah. But that is pretty much it for this week's show. We've still got time, though, for this week's Wavelength. So all the songs we've played this month have been songs about footballers. And since this part unintentionally really has had a German theme, we're going to bring you a song from a band based in Berlin in Germany. But it's not about a German footballer. It's about Kevin Kilban, the fourth most capped footballer for the Republic of Ireland. He has 110 caps to his name. His club career saw him play for Preston, West Brom, Sunderland, Everton, Wigan, Hull, Huddersfield, Derby and Coventry City before hanging his boots up in 2012. This is a song from 2012. The band is called My Brother Woody, and this is Kevin Kilban. Thrown in at the deep end and wreck you back. What the hell were you thinking, Mick? Could have destroyed a lesser man, but not the wonderful Kevin, 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 Kevin Kilban. Journey man, Kevin Kilbane, a 
110 times I proudly stand Kevin Gilman No granny gate, no injury fake Kevin Gilman giving it everything he can Left full center litter out on the wing A wholehearted hero who never give in Brushes off critics with that cheeky grin Cause they'll never win Kevin, 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 Kevin Kilban Kevin Kilban Not just your average journeyman Kevin Kilban A hundred and ten times I proudly stands Kevin Kilban No granny gates Injury fake Kevin Kilpan Giving it everything He can He never drove his toys Out of the pram He'll never be an incident Like inside Pam He'll never complain He'll play anywhere Cause Kevin Kilpan's Not your average sport Pampered football player My brother Woody there, Kevin Kilban, taken from their album Other Football Songs 2010 to 2012. You can find that on Bandcamp. They've got a few other football-related songs and albums on there as well. So we'll be bringing you some more from that in future shows. You can be sure of that. So that is it for this week's show. Thank you, as always, for listening to us. Just before we go, guys, let everyone know where they can find you online and any final words or anything that you've learned this week, Steve. You can find me on Whitecaps Beat. And uh, what I learned this week was uh, if you're only going to win one trophy, you better look for another job at Bayern Munich. <laughs> Zach, any final words? Oh, du lieber Zeit. Um, uh, my name is... Ich liebe dich. Uh, my name is Zach. You can find me on Twitter at ZacharyM. Uh, the thing from this week, which I didn't really touch on earlier or acknowledge earlier, is congratulations to Robert Lewandowski on scoring 41 Bundesliga goals in 29 Bundesliga games. Um, yeah, congrats to him on that. And uh, he'll, for at least a time, hold the record uh, for most goals in a season in, in the Bundesliga. Until Fonzie beats it. I just want to say congratulations to AFTN man Joe Deasy who became a father for the second time this week. Little baby Deezy, another little girl for him. Congratulations to Joe and Caroline. I think Joe did all the work, really. Caroline just (laughs) was was there, just delivering the baby. 
But uh, yeah, best wishes to both of them. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. And remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada. Because next weekend, hopefully, we haven't recorded it yet, but that should hopefully be out next weekend. And we might bring that out as a video and a podcast. Our next show that we do as well, I'm going to be sitting down for a chat with Mark DeSantis. And we'll be looking ahead to the Canada Games coming up. But that will all be soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care, stay safe, and mourn their caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.